Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 82, The Rogue Prince. I'm Scad and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Yes, hello everybody. We're continuing the original titling of these episodes uh, because this episode we are covering the novella called The Rogue Prince. Whoa, written that. by Germ. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, dealing with tar more Targaryen history. Um, this novella originally came out in 2014. It was part of what's called the Rogues Anthology. But it also exists pretty much in its entirety in the Fire and Blood book. And we're actually going to be covering a little more than what's in that um, the Rogue Prince novella, according to what's in Fire and Blood. So you can grab that Rogue's Anthology book if you have it, or you can flip to pages 351 to 390 of, uh, of Fire and Blood. And uh, quick note on the Rogue's Anthology, too. Uh, if you're a Rothfuss fan, there is a bit in there from him as well. There is, uh, yeah. Following a little roguish character from the Kingkiller Chronicles named Bast, and uh, it's a good read. Also, I, I was, oh. uh, I have, I had had Rogues for a few, a few weeks or months, and didn't realize it was in there. And then was delighted and immediately sat down and read it too. <laughs> uh, it, was, yes. it was a nice little read. The uh, chapter in Fire and Blood, just so you know, is called Heirs of the Dragon, and we're basically just covering that whole chapter. Yeah, so. right. All right. Uh, so just to reiterate what we're currently doing, we are covering Gurm's three Targaryen-based novellas in chronological order that he's released over the years. So it may seem like we're kind of jumping around the Fire and Blood book, and essentially we kind of are. Uh, but in the sense of we wanted to cover all of George's written books kind of within the world of Ice and Fire. So not the book, The World of Ice and Fire, but the world that he's created. <laughs> uh, and so we've covered, of course, the five books in the main series. We've done the Duncan Egg novellas, and now we're doing kind of these more Targaryen-based novellas. We did Sons of the Dragon in episode 81. We're now doing The Rogue Prince. And then next episode, we'll do The uh, the Princess and the Queen. And then we'll, you know, we'll see what happens there. We'll we've see. got, we'll see. We've, we've got some plans. We're going to leave you hanging. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Princess of the Queen is going to be fun. That's all about the Dance of Dragons. Excited oh, about that man. One too. Yeah. This yeah. is a good one, too. A lot of the kind of like the teasing teasing of that event. So, yeah. All right. Uh, quick little uh, plug for Ice and Fire Con. We are both going this year, as we've announced previously. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, uh, rooms are just about gone. Um, so get on it if you want to get there. Um, we'll have a panel, uh, for, for people that want to come hang out with us. Um, I'm also doing the, the musical that they've got going on there and we'll be, uh, got a panel as well and, uh, lots of downtime to just hang out and talk with people. So mm -hmm. come on I'll out have, and meet us. I'll have the guitar. Yes. And... We would be delighted to give you a great big hug. And if you're not a hugger, we'll give you a hearty handshake. Or yeah, if you're not a toucher, or... we'll give you a nice fist bump or a nod. pat on the shoulder. Whatever nod. you want to. Yeah, we can do a little nod, nod. thing. Yeah. <laughs> a, a mime greeting? I don't know. <laughs> Pretend handshake. Yeah, bow. A bow. I'll leave a curtsy for you. I don't care. 
I'm just excited to meet you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, April 25th, I think it is, uh, yep. the, the start date. Uh, kind of goes Thursday through Sunday. So uh, come check it out if you're interested. And you, if you do, get a ticket, use the uh, passcode FINGERS at checkout, and you can get a little discount. So You sure can. <sighs> Talking about things to do amongst the fandom, Scad. Oh, man. What are we doing about to ourselves? Our, uh... Our, a Song of Madness tournament that we have going on right now over on the Twitters. For those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, every year we run a tournament in conjunction with the NCAA Basketball March Madness tournament, which is the tournament that they run to crown a champion of college basketball. Uh, and we've this is our fourth year doing this, Scab? It's our fourth year, yeah. This is our fourth year uh, that we kind of do one too, where we create a bracket brackets of uh, of, uh, of of characters facing off against each other, and you go on Twitter and you vote for the character you want to win. And we work it down to a single one, and the, the 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 tournament's a lot of fun. It's full of misery and regret and woe. endless woe and Pain. suffering, anguish. Yep, and yep. Uh, we love every second of it. Yeah, on the challenge site where uh, where the whole bracket can be found, they wanted me to like name name what type of event it was, and I called mm-hmm. it Pain and Anguish Ball. <laughs> we we've adopted this shtick we really did it last year yeah. where we just become these terrible heartless <laughs> harbingers of woe <laughs> during a song of madness yeah. and just eat it up it's so much fun it's it so much fun it is yeah um, quick history on song of madness this is actually an idea that we had that predated the podcast yeah like we had the idea to do this before the podcast even started I don't know why we thought we would do it. Uh, but because of the Star Wars one. Yeah, the Star Wars one is where we got the idea from for sure. But like without a following, what did we think we, we were going to do? Well, that's how we started the podcast. That's too. a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Close your eyes and hang on. Yep. Yeah, fair. And here we are. Yeah. But yeah, our past winners have been uh, Jamie Lannister won the first ever uh, John Snow won two years ago, and then Arya Arya won last year. That Jamie Lannister win—that was a dark time for me. <laughs> you had immense regret because what well, have we gotten ourselves into? Because he defeated Davos, as all the champions have in the final match. Davos, Davos has, has the come in second. Yep, every, every single tournament. Yep, and uh, I remember thinking like, this is like a pure a pure man versus. What I consider to be, you know, not a good dude, and I know people love Jamie, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't. And uh, so that was a dark day when he won that tournament. But I know a lot of people. <laughs> that was the high point of the last four years for some people in this tournament. But your your girl, uh, your girl Arya won last year though, so that's redeeming. Yes. Yep. And uh, uh, I love my little murder hobo, and uh... you know it's a lot of fun. Every year we get more and more people signing up. We've had people that get Twitter accounts just to participate in a song of madness. Um, and we get thousands of votes on every matchup. It's, yeah. it's a lot of, and a lot of just back and forth banter, uh, a lot of people making connections and hopefully building relationships. And it's a good kind of unifying fun time for the fandom. And we're immensely proud of it. So thanks for participating. If you are, 
if you're not, we'd love to have you over there. there. By the time this episode comes out on Monday, we'll be smack in the middle of it. So there's still time to participate. Yeah, I, I think we got an email this week from, is it Veronica? A blood mm-hmm. rider that said she got a, a Twitter account just for just for Song of Madness because she didn't want to miss it this year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, check it out if you're not if you're not on there, get a Twitter account fired up for these three weeks and uh, you know then turn it off. Who cares? Yeah, join, join in the fun. Lots of people defending, you know, like like completely indefensible characters, and it's, and reading those threads is a lot of fun. I I am surprised at how many people came out in support of freaking Joffrey Baratheon. Yeah, this year. You know what? Victoria. So, so I don't really manipulate the match. I'm the one that makes the matchups, but I don't really make them so much as just seed them and they shake out however they shake out. But I was happy to see Joffrey against Quaith this year because Quaith mm-hmm. to me is kind of and Joffrey's. I think if we check the history, Joffrey's seed has fallen every year it's gone lower he and just lower gets and lower. trashed because he gets he beat gets every trashed. year so i just yeah. keep lowering his seed yep. and you know eventually what that means is he's just going to get beat worse because he's you know he's facing more difficult people but this Higher year seated characters right exactly but this year he because we went to 96 he got to face somebody who's really i mean quaith is really kind of a nothing character really right she kind of represents you know fortune telling kind of you know She's a plot a device. Right. She's a plot device. Yeah. And so it was interesting to see how he would do. And, you know, he still got thrashed. So, you know, he might not be in the tournament next year. <laughs> yeah, we do get some complaints about those who aren't in the tournament. Oh, and uh, yeah. even with 96 characters, you, you burn through them fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the ones that just get trounced year after year, we're going to start just replacing them with characters we want to see. And well, that's I've just already, how we do it. I've already done that some, but yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to manage. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, okay, so as as has been alluded to a little bit, this is a bit of a different format than you, what you're really used to with Davos Fingers. Normally we're doing like chapter by chapter summaries, uh, and then we've got this Davos After Dark section at the end that's kind of, you know, spoilers and stuff, but... This is all straight. It's just history, right? So there's everything's kind of on the table. We don't really worry about spoilers of any kind for anything. Um, so be ready. We'll traverse up and down the canon. So be ready for that. Yes. And if you want to contact us, as always, uh, one of the hallmarks and things we're most proud of with this podcast is the relationship we have with all y'all. So we love interacting with you. You can find us at DavosFingers.com. You can email us at WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle, where you can, we're, we're very active, not just during a Song of Madness season, is at DavosFingers. We're also on the Facebook, and you can learn about our Patreon program and the awards or the rewards that it entails, or benefits, I guess you could call it, at uh, patreon.com slash Davosfingers. Including, yeah, movie reviews and special episodes and hangouts and things like that. All right. Yep. All right, let's move on. Well, should we just jump right in, my friend? I mean, let's do it. Why not? Okay, so covering the Rogue Prince, uh, the question remains for some people of who is the Rogue Prince, and we'll get to that, but uh, the story kind of jumps around a little bit, and it doesn't seem to have a centralized character, much less this Rogue Prince. Uh, But to start there, we need to start with King Jaehaerys and his wife, Alysanne, good Queen Alysanne. Um, Quote to start us off. 
The old king and good Queen Alisanne ruled together until her death in 100 AC and produced 13 children. 13! Never before or since had the Seven Kingdoms been blessed or cursed, in the view of some, with so many Targaryen princelings. From the loins of the old king and his beloved queen sprang such a confusion of claims and claimants that many maesters believed that the Dance of the Dragons or some similar struggle was inevitable. This was not apparent in the early years of Jaehaerys' reign, for in Prince Aemon and Prince Balon, his grace had the proverbial air and despair, and seldom has the realm been blessed with two more able princes. All right? Yeah. So things were going really well in Westeros. You've got a great king who's got a great, great queen who in my mind was just as powerful, just as influential a ruler as her husband, if not even better in some respects. Um, and then they've got all these kids, two of them first and second in line for the throne are fantastic, right? Scad Prince Amon and Prince Balon both were like, you know, they, they got their knighthood at a young age. They were they were beloved by the small folk. It looked like everything was going really well for the Targaryens, hey? Yeah, for sure. Yep, they <clears throat> both both heirs. Um, yeah, I mean, both of them accomplished uh, dragon riders. Um, you know, um, both had you know good marriages early in their lives. Uh, more on that mm -hmm. probably to come, but uh, yeah, I mean they, they looked the the succession looked clear, and you know I, I I quibble a little bit with that opening text that you read, and we'll get to some of that later, but uh, these first two, the two deep, very strong, yeah, it appears that way. But then after that, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean. It, Quantity or quality, right? And, uh, you know, Jaehaerys and Alisanne, I don't, I don't know where, where this belongs here, but Jaehaerys and Alisanne got hit, I think, with some bad luck with some of their kids, you know, and, and what happened with them. I think actually they're, they are a little bit complicit in some of the things that happened as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, after that, it kind of, a, a, a jumbly mess is what I would call it after those two. Tell me what you mean by complicit. Um well look, we don't get <clears throat> we don't get a lot of detail in their day-to-day -day lives. But uh, we're both parents. Mm -hmm. Uh we know how much effort it is to raise kids. Mm -hmm. ne neither of us are uh bringing the first infrastructure of roads to Westeros and establishing its first quality legal system and going on uh you know trips around the continent to be seen and and speak with our with our people and mm -hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm not sure they did a great job raising their kids past one and two and sure um you know I, it's, it's for sure some of these things that happened were out of their control but you know i don't know i'd like to i'd like to read more detail about it but and you know i doubt we'll get that but um you know, I'm I'm not sure how great they did. They were they were very distracted with other things, and yeah, sure the day to day parents, of the day to day yeah, parenting, a father and a sure. mother, mother, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely uh, see that. You know, there's there's a, a a spectrum of belief on you know how much 
how much control you really have over what kind of people your kids turn out to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the blank slate, tabula rasa kind of thing versus, you know, they're, they are who they are when they're born and, you know, to some degree you don't control that. There's people believing on, you know, far ends both sides of that. For sure, for me, I believe a lot of what they end up being has to do with, you know, how you raise them and, you know, what you give them. And so, right. you know, I'm not saying they tapped out or whatever, but I think they were distracted. Yeah. And another kind of a spectrum, as you as you described it, that exists in the parenting world and that I certainly struggle with is, you know, how much of good parenting is me being present for my children and, and being at uh, helping them develop being there for those special moments and everything but also how important it is it for them to see me pursuing what I what I am passionate about and seeing me succeed at that and therefore be an example to them that yes. they can that they can reach for the things that they want to do right so yeah. that's a constant struggle that I that I find myself in is I'm a very present father and, and that's one thing I can say with total confidence is I don't miss the I don't miss the 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 dance performances and the talent shows and the hockey games and and when I'm home from work man I'm with my kids and we're playing and all that stuff but also how much good am I doing if I'm always with them and they're not seeing dad out, you know, playing his guitar or playing hockey and, or, or doing something with his podcast that's finding success. And, uh, and I think that might've been, you, you described it very well with Jaharis and Alisan that how important is it for kids like Amon and Balon and even all the others to see mom and dad ruling and, and see them in their element and, and finding that example that they can follow so they can have success in their life. But then also how important was it for them just these kids just to have a mom and a dad sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, good all around. Good, good talk. I, yeah, I identify with that a lot. Um, you know, maintaining yourself as an individual and your own pursuits is important to yourself and also as part of the example setting for your kids uh, yeah. about, about being a person that's successful in their own realm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at I, least happy in their pursuits of whatever yeah the the other the other thing about about the way this whole structure of succession works is that having 13 kids is great but what really is important is that that heir that's at the top does kids huh has kids has kids as well (laughs) and because that's where a lot of these problems come in and uh you know we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more but um you know Amon himself having just the one kid despite having lots of time to do more than that it's interesting that they just did one um mm-hmm. you know he was they, he was married in his early-ish teens and um you know was alive for a lot longer and and only only had the one child who's um recently fe- featured in a song of madness Sterney, uh Rainus. And uh, and heaven forbid she's a woman. Oh no! <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, so you know, so yes, they might have seen that there were you know a plethora of options for heirs, but you got to have the right combination in that plethora for it to be okay and not a problem. Yes. So um, 
Oh gosh. We've jumped around a well, lot. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, we have. Let's talk about then how things wound up. So you have Amon, who's the oldest, and then Balon, who's second in line. Yep. Amon is slain in the year ninety-two. He's struck by a crossbow bolt mm-hmm. and uh, in battle and is killed. Wasn't he left the target behind. of that crossbow bolt. Yep, but <laughs> rarely are you. It seems like. Mm. Um, so he takes one for the team and down he goes. He leaves behind, as Scad said, one child, a female named Rannies. And uh, next in line is Balon. Now, people loved Balon and it sounded like he was deserving of that love. He was very successful. And he's, uh, as soon as he found out that his brother had been killed by these Mirish soldiers, he went and defeated them. Um, and he did very well. He served as a hand. Uh, of, to the king, to King Jaehaerys, until he died of what the maesters called a burst belly. Mm-hmm. His belly swelled and hardened. I, I don't know if that was like maybe appendicitis or something like that. Yeah, that's kind of the, oh. kind, the kind of thing I'm thinking. Yeah, All which right. which is that you know that's what I was referring to before. Like some of this is just bad luck, uh-huh. right? Um, and and maybe and maybe not. So, so, well, I don't know. Um, People talk about like the inbreeding all the time of the Targaryens and like why it doesn't bite them in the ass, uh, you know, as as it does in our world. And like I think it does. A mm-hmm. lot of these problems. I don't know about the burst belly. That's a bit of a stretch, given he was. I don't even know how old when that happened, but um, but some of these, you know, problems in childbirth, you know, um, death during childbirth, the babies themselves, you know, dying. Maybe that's related, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we don't know that. I'm, I don't think that's how it happens in our world, but maybe that's George's way of kind of expressing that these kinds of things occur too. Uh, it just for, for yeah, it it's just differently. And I guess the Davos After Dark question that I'd have for this section is, you know, what if anything would have been avoided in this later Targaryen history had Aemon and/or Balon survived? Right. Sure. So I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, and to some degree, had <laughs> Jaehaerys and Alysanne ruled less for less time, um, <laughs> you know, like like one of the things that happens when you rule for a long time is you kind of you outrun the you outkick your coverage. I don't I don't know the the <laughs> I don't know the right metaphor, but you know, if he rules for twenty years less, Avon gets to be king, right? And you know maybe the urgency of having more heirs or, or Rhaenys becomes a more a, a more direct heir, you know, kind of like Rhaenyra does later. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, but m- maybe maybe that becomes more urgent to him, right? And mm-hmm. when he's king, if, if Jaehaerys and Alysanne rule for less time. They rule for so long that, um, you know, their heirs kind of don't get to. Yeah, it's true. Uh, f- from the year 48 to the year 103... Alisand dies in 100, I think. Yeah. It is. But Jaehaerys, 48 to 103, man. Yeah. He took the That's throne what, at, 50, I think it was five four, years? 14 years old, he took the throne, I think. Um, yeah, and then a little for 55 years. Yeah. So, Goodness gracious me. Yeah. So you have Amon dies. He's got Rainies. Uh Amon is the oldest, so obviously you think that well, Rainies is following the principle of primogeniture right 
oldest of the firstborn, oldest of the firstborn. or in the line of the firstborn. Yes. Um, but then you've got Balon, and Balon has two kids, and not only two kids, but two boys. Mm-hmm. Right? He's yeah. got Daemon and Viserys, yeah. Viserys being the elder one. Mm-hmm. Balon dies. And so now we have a secession crisis, we sort do. of. Um, this wasn't supposed to happen. You had the heir and the spare, and things were supposed to be good. But uh, like we said, kids got to have kids in order to keep this thing going, especially when the king keeps ruling. And like you said, I, I like that point you made. He's outruling his kids, um, or outlasting his kids to the point that they don't get the chance to rule. And so now it's down to the grandkids. Uh, so should we move on to this next section, section about secession? Sure, we can do that, yeah. Let's move on then to this secession crisis that followed Balon's death. So Jaehaerys is still alive at this point, and the question is is for him to name an heir. The heir and the spare had both died, Amon and Balon. Mm-hmm. So who's up next? Jaehaerys ain't getting any younger. Right. Um, to open this, I've got a little quote All right. by, uh, by a good Queen Alisan who says, a ruler needs a good head and a true heart. A cock is not essential. If your grace truly believes that women lack the wit to rule, plainly you have no further need of me. And that kicked off their second big fight, right? Yeah. But, that that just makes me think of that meme. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it where like, I don't even know the origin, but I see it all the time now where like somebody's clearly like laid down what the kids would call a sick burn. And the mm-hmm. kids like a kid like runs by the camera like grabbing his face as he goes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And the one kid's just looking at the camera. Yeah, like, oh. yeah, right. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, <laughs> that remind that that quote reminds me of, of that meme. Uh, just so good. So I can't good. believe I just spent ten seconds describing a visual medium like that to like make my point. Well, uh, well there you go. I could have just said sick burn yo. Or something. Welcome to Davos Fingers. Welcome to Davos Fingers. So uh, I'm going to now describe the gift that I would put up online yeah. if I were online. And I'm not even a big gift guy. Like I don't even do gifts that often. Uh, anyway, Misa. Uh, yeah, I'm no Misa. Nodding her head, just yeah. like yeah. I got like, a yeah, couple of more I could show you. That's number three in my quiver. That's what Misa's <laughs> thinking right now. So, um, so. Yeah, so in order to avoid this mess of a succession, which to Alisan's point wouldn't be a mess if they just kind of declared things properly. Uh, things, yeah. But they kind of they tried everything they could. They even summoned one of these kids that we were talking about that you know that maybe got away a little bit. They summoned the forgotten and bookish Vagon, Vagon from the Citadel where he was an archmaester. The reality is though that like he had no interest <laughs> In being the king, nor would he have probably made a good one. Um, yeah. So he, but he, but he makes a suggestion. He says, "Let's let's have a, a great council." So first, let before we get into the great council, let's meet the options, right, for the succession. Mm-hmm. So we have behind ba- door number one. Behind door number one, we have, and perhaps I should have flipped these doors. But we have Balon's kids. Uh, uh-huh. Basically, Viserys would be the kid that that would go first. He's well liked but he's focused on pleasing people. He's 26 at the time of the council, and it's sad, but the test really for most of those at the council was male and old enough. So we'll get to more to the council later, but he was mm-hmm. male and he was old. 
wasn't going to, you know, have to be some sort of, uh, you know, people watching the realm for him. We've got Rhaenys yeah. and her kids, Leonor. So you'd think Rhaenys would be the the natural option, but people, you know, uh, I'm not sure. So Ooh, it's a girl. Right. It's a girl. We already said no to that, right? Um, but Rhaenys also has a son, Leonor. And, um, you know, Rhaenys and Leonor were passed over for the crown. It's not the first time that females were passed over, kind of like we said. Um, Rhaena, Aerea, Rhaella, all of those kind of uh, in previous years kind of passed over a little bit or kind of set aside in the They succession. even go to the point that Aegon the first was not the oldest of he and his siblings, right? Visenya was. Right. And Correct. Aegon was king because he was the guy. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's true. Um, and so so Leonor, though, he is male, still mm-hmm. in the firstborn son's line of succession. He was Aemon's grandkid, right? Rhaenys mm-hmm. was his kid, and so Leonor is, is, his, is, is his grandkid, so he's the great-grandson of J. Harris. Or, mm-hmm. yes, great-grandkid. Mm-hmm. But he's only seven years old. Right, so people don't like that either because you'd have to have you know wards kind of running things, right? A regency, yeah. Regency, right? Thank you for coming up with the word. And then of course there's Vagon, which I just mentioned. He's the one that suggested the Great Council, less than zero interest, and people had forgotten about him. Frankly, he'd been at the Citadel for so long, and he wouldn't have been good either. He's kind of I get the impression he's kind of like one of those stuck up book nerds, not not like <laughs> not like a cool book nerd like most of you guys listening. Uh, he's he kind of like thumbs his nose at other at other nerds even, and you know not not a bad guy but not not well liked no charisma that kind of thing. What so an actually guy an actually guy an well, ac- actually actually it's this way. Mm-hmm. What voice is that <laughs> that I just did? I don't think I've ever done that voice before. It's a Vagon voice, is what it's, it is. It's now it's not my Vagon. Radio Westeros. If you do an episode on Vagon, <laughs> we've got the voice talent for you. <laughs> they've they've used they've used me too much already. I'm sure. Whatever. Uh, so, uh, okay. So so Vagon though, though does suggest a great council for better or worse, depending on what you believe. Yeah. And so they do it. And at that great council, they kind of set a precedent for future rulers. Uh, more than a thousand lords showed up. And heard 14 different claims. The three or four that I mentioned above, plus a bunch of others. Some bastards from, from uh, is it Sarah? Sarah, uh, one, the, of one of Jaehaerys' kids. kids that was that became a prostitute across in Lys. Um, and uh, several, several others. Cousins and all sorts of people. Right? But they landed uh, on Viserys. Um, so... They basically set the precedent that males come before females in the Targaryen succession, even if there's a male coming from a female line that's that's available down the line, which would be Leonor. Now, this is a precedent that Viserys would challenge himself with a daughter born four years before this event even happened. Yeah. So, so the irony being, there's already a child of Viserys' own loins wandering about, you know, King's Landing, who's going to challenge this precedent that's being set right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so very, very interesting uh, <laughs> how that works. Um, so yeah, that's 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 it. That's basically it. Right. So you've got, I think the book described it as primogeniture versus proximity. Right. Yeah. If you're going primogeniture, it's Leonor. Leonor. 
yeah. who is in the the line of the firstborn of Jaharis. Right. But he's a great grandson. Right. So Viserys would be more on the side of proximity in that he's just a grandson. He's only two lines down. He goes Jaharis, Balon, Viserys. Um, yes. And they land on Viserys. Right. You know, the proximity. I don't. I don't know whether the the lords of the council were like, oh yes, proximity is the way to go, not primogenitor. I think it was more like this kid's old enough and he's a man. You can do it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. But yep. But but maybe maybe they were thinking that. Um, what do you think of this this whole idea to do a a great council? Is it wise for him to do? Is it kind of a kind of a cop out? Here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. I think it's garbage. Okay. Uh, that's not fair. Let me back up. Uh, it's very conciliator of uh, of Jaharis. Right, but <laughs> very much his mo. <laughs> so, yeah, to some degree. But you're still a king, so I mm-hmm. like it. I like it better than you know claiming to be a king and conquering the the world with fire and blood and you know all these things and, and demanding power and seizing it. I like it better than that. But you've already you've already done all that work, and you are now a king. So what you need to do is make a choice, not leave it up to everyone else. Because the this the fact that the act of even doing that causes all sorts of questions and seeds power to people that shouldn't have it. And so my opinion is that Jaharis was tired, old, sad, and just passed all this. He didn't, he didn't want to make an unpopular choice. And he's like, just, okay, you guys do it. What do you want? What do you want to do? I'm going to be gone soon. Right? And, yeah. and no, I don't think it was a good choice. And um, I think that He that's... doesn't even show up to the council. Exactly. And which which also lends to, like, I don't even support this. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see that in Viserys as well, which we'll get into a little bit later, that, um, you know, this kind of lack of ability to just make a choice and make it so really hurt the realm it's Mm -hmm. it's it's on the list of things that caused this dance to come to me absolutely and and you know in a reign marked by a lot of really good choices yeah absolutely that jahari's made really bold choices yep and things that really benefited the realm it it really highlights how maybe the worst part about being a king is choosing the next one. <laughs> that's one thing that I got out of reading this whole story is that's where all the problems lie. And you're never going to make a choice that's going to please everybody. You're never going to be like, this is the guy. There will always be someone complaining and someone who's not happy with your decision. The only time that won't happen <laughs> is if you have a firstborn son that lives to kinghood. Right? Because then it's very clear. Then probably everyone's happy. You would hope so. Um, so they do this great big council. It's at Harrenhal, right? Because Harrenhal's the only place big enough. And even it was not big enough for this great council. Because not only did a thousand lords or whatever show up, but each of them brought, like, they said, like, the Lannisters brought, like, 300 people with them. Right. Yeah, so they're trying to they're trying to one up each other, right? Oh, Lannisters bringing three hundred, I'll sure. bring four, and and that's that's kind of yeah. alluding back to what I said. You're ceding power to these people and making this a thing of a show of power and and responsibility and 
you know, whatever for these people to put a, put a display on when that's not at all what you want them thinking. What you want them thinking, if you're a king, is they don't have any power or any control. They're my subjects, and I, I rule them fairly, right? But I have these Death Stars in case they get out of line, and I don't really want them making a lot of choices and th- feeling like they have control and power. And mm-hmm. the fact that they're trying to one-up each other here shows that they're struggling for power right underneath them. Yeah, and it turns into campaigning. It talks yeah. about how, you know, the uh, uh, Rainies and her husband, who we haven't talked about yet, Corliss Valerion, you know, used their power and influence to to definitely play the political game and earn people to their side and everything. It turned into a big thing, but... Who uh, who foots the bill for something like this? Like, who feeds all these people and everything? <laughs> That's a great question. I didn't even think about it. It's not uh, the it's not the Harrenhal guys, right? It's it's not know. the Strongs who have to do it all because that's just unreasonable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you, they bring the, sometimes they the bring King some of their own food, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine they did that for that long because they were there for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was like weeks. Yeah. So it's a BYOB. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <a> great council. <laughs> yeah. Man. It just seems like the infrastructure to handle something like that just be insane. But yeah. I, I mean, think of all the sewage and stuff. I don't want to. Well, <laughs> we all do things we don't want to do. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good point. Yeah. I, I think yeah. they, these are, we talk about this sometimes too with like travel times and, you know, these are things that George just kind of shoves under the rug sometimes. How, well, you how, how will the armies to. eat and yeah. all these things? Like, we don't want those details. And right. thankfully, he spares uh-huh. us most of the time. <laughs> no one wants to consider that stuff. It's uh, no fun. That was a point Brooke used to make to me all the time. He's like, you, She's like, you yeah. don't care about that. You think you do, but you don't want to read it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Thanks, Brooke. You're, ab- you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. The voice of reason. Yeah. Uh, um. But anyways, yeah, that's the Grand Council. The Maesters, interestingly enough, they throw this little bit into the book that the Maesters never officially revealed the results. I thought that was interesting that they they showed that. They didn't they just said, Hey, Viserys won. Yeah. And I don't know that we don't have a reason to not trust it. But uh I thought well, that was interesting that they threw that in. Yeah, I thought about that a little bit. I mean there's there's two reasons that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, one that they're manipulating the result, right? That's a conspiracy theorist that that they wanted Viserys, and um, you know, so they they manipulated the result. I doubt that's the case because in in the the margin that that's discussed, people would know that they were lying if they manipulated the result like that, um, because it was pretty clear how many people were for for who and and who those people were. They even list them in right. The, the that's right. Landed, mm-hmm. but uh, but the other thing would be. Uh, the, they didn't want they didn't want it to be a matter of public record for people to be for people to have that held against them down the line. Um, that like Stark voted for yes, exactly. But again, Rainey's line. Yeah, it seems like it's already pretty well known, and it gets used exactly that way in the future, coming up very soon. So I don't know that it mattered, but I ima- th- those are the motives that I imagined them having. Yeah, the the choices made at this great council had had a tremendous trickle down effect in lots of different areas, not just the secession. But yes. <sighs> um, on that note, anything else you want to talk about with this 
with this great council and the secession crisis before uh, we move on to the reign of Viserys? No, just, you know, my like my own personal opinion, like back to Jaehaerys a little bit, like look, look at capability. Rhaenys mm-hmm. was a fucking rock star. Just give it to her. Right? Yep. She's she a was rock star. a dragon and, rider. Yep. She was charismatic. People <laughs> liked her. She was adventurous. Uh, married to Valerians, which... Um, she was... Yeah, she married into a great family. Yep. And a, a, a great husband. Uh, yeah. I hope we talk about Corliss a little. Maybe during the Prince Daemon section, we'll talk a little bit more about Corliss, but I like this guy a lot. We could. I think you've got him a little bit down there in the footnotes as well. Hit him right. There. But, yeah. So, I, you know, just... Jahara should have just picked, like we talked about, and you should have picked Rhaenys, because she, she was capable, the obvious choice, and I don't know why you wouldn't. Just, just go with it, man. Just go with it. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, I don't know. Anyway, that's it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Hindsight's 2020, my friend. Your boy Matt agrees. Yeah. And you wonder if maybe Jahari's realized that in the midst of all this crap. He's like, oh, I should have just picked Rainey's. Yeah, maybe. I don't Here know. we are. I already called the Great Council. Yeah. I can't turn it back now. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move on and talk a little bit about this king that's crowned, who is uh, Viserys, the yeah. first of his name. So, quote from the book, Many consider the reign of King Viserys I to represent the apex of Targaryen power in Westeros. Uh, Viserys had a generous, amiable nature and was well-loved by his lords and small folk alike. The reign of the young king, as the commons called him upon his ascent, was peaceful and prosperous. His grace's open-handedness was legendary, and the Red Keep became a place of song and splendor. King Viserys and Queen Emma, Emma hosted many a feast and tourney and slavished gold, offices, and honors on their favorites. Uh, it also means that by apex of Targaryen power in Westeros, that means that more lords and princes were claiming the blood of the dragon than at any period. And there were also never more dragons in Westeros, dragons themselves, uh, the creatures, than there were during the reign of, of King Viserys. So, good times? Yes. Uh, they say it's always darkest before the dawn. Um, switch that yeah swap swap that out uh you know pride goeth before the fall uh that's hamilton referencing probably the bible i don't know um so you know it's pretty clear to me that what's been painted is that viserys is a jackass (laughs) okay tell me more uh well so he's he's basically focused on throwing parties and keeping the realm happy, right? Mm-hmm. Through favors and through compliments and through laughter and fun and games. And mm-hmm. that works to some degree, but there has to be some substance behind it. And he had he had some some really bad choices he made. Um certainly. You know, one the, you could argue that the start of the whole downfall was taking Alicent as as his wife, uh, his second wife. Had he just, I mean, there were a lot of other choices, but he, had he taken Lana, uh, you know, maybe that would have proved less contentious. Could have, you know, 
that reunite or unites the line of Amon and Balon. Right, the lines that are split that that caused the problem with the with this the the council they just had could be reunited, mm-hmm. right? And then there wouldn't be more contention there. Um, you know, um, he could have been. It's it, people are going to think it's weird for me to say this, but he could have been more assertive about Renera being the heir. And and that's a weird to say because he he says it a lot. It's, and he's it, stubborn about it. And he's stubborn about it. But but he could have done more. And we'll we'll get to that a little bit later, you know, in his reign and toward the end, but um I don't think he did enough given the choice that was just made at the council. I don't think he did enough to stabilize that choice, especially after taking a wife like Allison and Allison, third having mistake more kids. and having more kids. And third mistake, having Otto Hightower basically running the show. <laughs> um, you know, that that combination led to a lot of problems. And it's not just him. I think Rhaenyra and Alicent both are complicit in this. We'll get to that probably a little bit later, too. For sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, apex of Targaryen power, perhaps. But it's almost like they talk about, you know, like political prognosticators now and economic prognosticators, like the signs are there, that there's cracks here. Yep. And, you know, you can see them. Well, and how much of Viserys' reign was prosperous because of what had happened prior to him taking power? Right. And those good choices that Jaehaerys made and that Viserys was able to inherit. Um yeah, because you had a good, decisive, for the most part of his reign, yeah. <laughs> king who made solid decisions for the realm, and uh, Viserys, you know, for on one hand he should be able to enjoy the things that his grandfather had put in place, but on the other hand he needs to keep that going, or those cracks will start to appear, and and they do. Yeah, I mean he ruled for a long time. Do you have the number there anywhere? I don't think I have it written down, but he ruled for a long time. And you don't get any mm-hmm. notes that I remember about what he did. Anything Major he initiatives. Yeah. yeah almost like, not. I mean, nothing. Nothing. He allowed others to, to do it for him. And even then, it was like Otto Hightower was basically running the kingdom yep. as hand when he was hand. And he served two tours as hand. But it was like he was capable and able. So what I see of that is he's just keeping the show running, keeping things status quo. Uh, and, it says later, and, Viserys supports uh, Damon's efforts in the Stepstones. So he's like, yeah, I'll fund you. Yeah. Have some money, but... Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Uh-huh. Good job, man. Here you go. Positive right. reinforcement for a job well done. But, you know, he's not getting this stuff done himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I yeah, agree. meanwhile, he could have been embarking on some uh pr type tours of because uh, you did have people that were still split down the middle and those cracks were forming in the kingdom of mm-hmm. rulers and everything and he could have as you to your point done more to reinforce the choices that had been made at the great council and also reinforce his choice that he made even though they contradicted each other yeah uh but get out there and and be that guy but there's also Th- i there's... guess something to be said for being likable and I think I think too. there is yeah. some willful ignorance on Viserys' part. Yeah, everything's that things good. were just going to be okay. 
Yep. It'll just work keep out. Just swimming. Just keep swimming. Mm-hmm. Right? Things are good. They're going to stay good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the way it works. Right. Yes. So uh, you talked about this a little bit, but just to cover the history, uh, Viserys was married to Queen Emma, and they had a great time together. Uh, they were cousins, essentially. Yeah. Emma was the child of Diella, who was one of Jaehaerys' kids that got kids. carried off in the Vale. To um, an Aaron. Yep. To, an, to an Aaron. So, yeah, they're cousins, like first cousins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they have one child, Rhaenyra, who is the realm's delight. Everyone loved her. She was precocious and fun and energetic and just everyone thought the world of her. Uh, but then Emma early. dies, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Emma dies and Viserys chooses as his wife. You mentioned there may have been uh, different, may we say better options, such as Lena, his niece. But instead he chooses Alicent Hightower whose dad, as we mentioned, happened to be the Hand of the King. And uh, you wonder if Viserys' people-pleasing nature had something to do with that. Maybe. Uh, it's possible. I mean, it, it, to some degree, I think he just liked her. And and she doesn't... She on was the surface, pretty. She's pretty, and she was smart, and, um, you know, caring, and, you know, she helped take care of Jaehaerys on his deathbed, and... Uh, yeah, she was kind of his final caretaker, right? Right, and patient. She's from a great family. It doesn't look like a bad choice at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would argue maybe it isn't a bad choice on its mm -hmm. on the surface. Mm -hmm. But you, things happen after you get married that if you don't change and check can be a problem. Do I think Allison was from the get-go trying to seize power and make sure? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Maybe. But that's what you do, right? I, I don't. Yeah, it's I don't not blame bad. her for being no. like, I I arrived at this stage. I've married to the king. I am now the queen of Westeros. You want to preserve that for your family. You do, right? but 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 also, so imagine, imagine you marry into a family that already exists because Rhaenyra was around. For, I think she was seven at the wedding, mm -hmm. or something close. Um, she married Older. into a family that had a kid already. You, if uh -huh. you're if you're making, and I know this is not our world, but if you're making that choice, you're taking that child into your life, and they become your child. She should have, as a parent, been looking out for Rhaenyra as well. Absolutely. And the fact that that she pretty immediately gets pregnant, has kids, and starts thrusting her agenda to get them on the throne, um, you know, there is the girl boy thing again, the male female thing again in question. So maybe she's got some what she thinks is rights behind her there, but it's not an honest thing to do to jump into this family, take this girl in as and be your mom, and then immediately supplant her. That's not a good thing. And it's so not. It, so it does but smack you, of like planning and right. You also wonder how much of that wasn't planned before, but came up as she started having kids. Right? That's what I mean. I don't know whether and, she planned it from the beginning or whether those thoughts happened in the four years between the yeah. marriage and the kid being born. And she's like, yeah, yeah. You well, know you've what? got Rainier's daddy who isn't is a good the heir. And yeah. yeah, exactly. You've got who's handed and he's whispering, you know, this great council that was had a few years yes. back. Yeah. The, they looked at the boys. So Hightower, you've you got mean, a boy. Yeah. yeah Hightower. Auto. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got a boy here. 
there could be some precedent if right. you wanted to kind of push this. And... So it's interesting with the Song of Madness, we've been we put in some of these historical characters in there. Alicent uh, does not feature, but um, one of the things that we've been getting is like these are just they're side characters. We don't know enough about them. We don't have POVs, and those are all valid arguments. We don't know what Alicent's thinking, right? We don't mm-hmm. get a POV view, and so we don't know. And it is it is a weakness of these histories. The, the strength of these histories is you get a glut of information about what happened and to some degree who was thinking what based on what was recorded. But you don't get you don't get the emotion and feeling of these characters because you're not reading them, right? You're not reading their thoughts. You're not reading their perspective. Their dialogue right. and stuff. Because even in the in A Song of Ice and Fire proper, the five books, you only really in the end you have a small percentage of POV of these characters. We have their POV. Yes. And you look at every single character in the books. That's correct. But we do benefit by their conversations and the firsthand accounts that happen in their interactions with POV characters. I love And in this, you just don't have that. I love how you just negated the fact that, like, George has probably written more POVs in this series than any series I've ever read with POVs. That's very true. Good point. <laughs> like, yeah, a relatively point. few. It's like dozens. And yeah, he's had to good alter point. his writing style for each one. But, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. different personalities embedded <laughs> into each person and then all that. But you know what I mean? He's like, such a master. Sometimes, like, I don't think people get it. Like, when you have as many characters as he has. I've tried writing for this bullshit zombie novel that I've mentioned a few times that I'll never finish. It has several POVs. And, like, it is hard. I'm not mm-hmm. a masterful writer, right? But, like, it's George, it's amazing how well he's able to do this with his style and with all of these characters. And you are right. I stand humbled. Sorry. I, I, should, I shouldn't have... The point you made isn't wrong. ...demeaned him we, in that sense, and that was not my intention. I know it wasn't, and the but... point you made isn't wrong. We don't get all of their people. We don't get all of their thoughts. We get some. Mm-hmm. But but even, even the format is still the fact that we're getting dialogue, and so you're getting other people's thoughts indirectly mm-hmm. if you're not getting their actual thoughts you're getting their words which indicate them whereas you mm-hmm. don't even get that in these histories that much right right it's usually this person did that and this person did that and this is recorded mm-hmm. but anyway this is one possible reason why this is another reason why or this is another reason why yeah right <laughs> but anyway back to Alicent, you know uh, we don't know right but it certainly it certainly wasn't great uh-huh. Right. And then have she you has... seen uh Did you I know you wanted to. Did you ever see Bohemian Rhapsody? I've got it sitting on my couch outside of this room. Uh we've had, we've been I bought it on like the day before Valentine's Day or something. Mm-hmm. And we just haven't made it happen. Awen and I are in this weird it's time for oversharing time with Scat. We're in a weird pattern now somehow where we're just like she. She's prepping for her uh, her annual dance concert that she does, and I'm exhausted with ice and fire prep and the podcast and D and D prep. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm up late nights a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, so like somehow we're off schedule, and one of us pretty much falls asleep right after the kids are in bed, like almost every night. So it's been a uh, it's been rough on the uh, let's watch a movie together times. Well, that's when you do a little, and then we'll overshare Matt and uh, and Padme. 
sharing. We just don't watch the movie together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've thought about it. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the, there, that, there's a lot of that that goes on in this house. And like, there's one I've had the movie Lincoln starring, uh, you know, DDL and yeah. yeah, he's my, like, he's one of, if not my favorite actor. And, uh, I've had it for years basically since it came out and I've never watched it because she says she wants to, but it's super long and we never prioritize it. And it's just uh-huh. sitting there and it's like, I need to just watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's been out long enough. It's on Netflix now, dude. Oh yeah, I know. So no, yeah, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's got to be getting close to six six or eight years or something. I mean, it's yeah, for real. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, anyways, welcome to Davos Fingers. Didn't think you were going to get this story, did you? Uh, what was the point I was going to make with that? Oh, oh it's a small Rhapsody. point. Almost, it, it's totally not worth the discussion that it led to. But uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody, without giving too much away for you, it's amazing. You know what kind of um, the influence that people were able to have over Freddie Mercury by presenting what they wanted him to do to him in a way that made him feel like it was his idea. Oh yeah. Inception. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and the, having watched the movie a couple of times recently, uh, it just made me think of that with Alicent and you know, how much of it was, presenting things to her in a way that maybe made her go you know what would be good if my kid were king yeah let's give yeah (laughs) but 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 then to viserys credit that sort of inception did not work on him no because he maintained that rhaenyra was was his choice yeah for all the people pleasing that that guy did he was like rhaenyra is my heir end of story i've made the decision we're not discussing this right right which is maybe a lesson he did learn from his dad and how he did not want to see things pan out. Maybe, but he didn't take it far enough and we'll come back to it. I know, but sure. Yep. Um, I don't know <sighs> if you want to talk about, about her kids at all. Um, a- Aegon bring was, them up. Aegon was her first yeah. and they named the, it says in there, I think that it was meant as a slight to Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm that she named him that. Uh-huh. He's pretty, this dude's pretty much an asshat. Yep. Uh, Helena never seems super, like a sweetheart. Seems like a sweetheart. Never really super involved. Good mom. Poor girl has to suffer through an awful event later, uh, with blood and cheese. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, Aemond, who is, uh, the worst, worst <laughs> fierce. He's a dick, a big dick. This guy is, king of dicks uh and then darren targaryen who seems like a like a young people pleaser himself he's just a young kid yeah Yeah. he's just a kid yeah and then there's also not not one of allison's kids but the the mysterious maybe fake uh tristane truefire um who they say was one of viserys's bastards out king somewhere and it's interesting we never really get i don't think that i remember that story from George about like who that supposedly was and what the scandal was. Like we, we don't ever get anything into it. I don't think, but mm-hmm. it's probably just made up. But... Could very well be, but let's see. And then, if, um, and then of course, Rhaenyra, right. Who's like you said, the realm's delight, at least when she was young. Mm-hmm. And she starts having kids of her own, but I think we'll talk about that later. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, Ooh, let's I, talk about that when we start talking about the greens and the blacks. Yeah. Do you want to talk no, about Rhaenyra and her early choices at all, or do you want to save that too? Well, let's hear what you got on that. Well, I just, she she's spoiled to some degree, right? I mean, sure, she gets whatever she wants as a kid. She's been told from the beginning that she's going to be, you know, she's going to be in charge. She's going to be the heir. Um, but she she also has, I think, some flaws herself, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of blowback I get because I think she's pretty well loved and taken as like the de facto right party in this greens versus blacks thing. But she made some pretty awful choices of her own. We can get into the details later, and I don't know. I Jaharis didn't respond well to Sarah and her actions. Viserys depending on which stories you believe about Rhaenyra, um, you know, he didn't he didn't seem to do much about those stories. At least not with Rhaenyra, right? He didn't... It's he always didn't... different when it's your kid. Yeah, right? right. Well, not with Jaehaerys, it wasn't. He was very stern with Sarah, right? And Oh, yeah, he, he wrote her off. Yeah, I mean, in the end, he did. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I. It's just interesting the way Viserys treats Rhaenyra almost like she's perfect, and she isn't. She she did some some sketchy things and maybe maybe needed some more attention as well in different areas, um, but you know she she has some weaknesses. We'll get into them. Mm-hmm. I think. I hope so. All right. Shall we move on? Do you have anything else for that section? I do think it's interesting. We'll just cover this briefly in this section. It'll come up later again. But we are maybe starting to see some of the physical effects of, dare we say, of the inbreeding that's occurring mm. in some of these children that are coming up. I, uh, George makes it very – he points out a lot of instances where you're starting to see these little these little physical, maybe we call them deformities, pop up with some of these Targaryen children. So Aegon and Helena are married to each other at a young age. Yeah. Um, they're brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And their first child, you know, you got Jehera who's got some problems. They're twins, Jehera and Jehera's. Jehera's got some, some uh, mental limitations, it sounds like. Jaharis has six fingers and six toes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and some of these different things come up. But it's interesting to me that uh, George makes it a point almost to contrast the children of Rhaenyra with quote unquote Leonor, in actuality, Harwin Strong, um, and points out that all three of those kids, not products of incest, are healthy and robust, right? Whereas a lot of the Targaryen children were described as sickly and weak as babies and everything. Yep. And I wonder if there's there's something to that physically and genetically. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, though, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say because Rhaenyra, is. Rhaenyra is the product of incest. And she's fine. And she's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she... Uh, depending on what you believe, uh, if they're Harwin Strong's kids, you know that wouldn't be. And those kids are great. I love those kids. Uh, and then there's 
she's with Damon, which we'll get to all of this. Uh, and those kids are good, and that's incest. Seem all right. Yep. They seem okay. I mean, you know, they got some issues, but yeah, I think so that's more... Yeah, so it's not a one-for-one thing, it's, right? Right, it's, but... It... What's the quote of flipping a coin on... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and genetics is a... I don't think his world is following the genetic rules ours does. But, uh, you know, then you got Viserys and Alicent, which is not, you know, a incestuous relationship causing, you know, the birth of... of uh, of their kids, uh, Helena and Aegon, but those two kids are together. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, eh. I, I think it's meant to be like, well, I kind of said it earlier. The problems are there. They're not consistent, but mm-hmm. ever anyone claiming like, yeah, why, why do they not have the effects of inbreeding? They do. They do. They're maybe a little bit different than the effects in our world, but I think they're, yeah, not... I think they're meant to be there. Not to mention all the children that we're not even talking about because they died. Died or born with, yeah, born with wings or still and born. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Totally. All but, right. But, you know, the lack of diseases is nice for the most part. <laughs> for sure. Uh, let's talk about, so let's finally get to the subject of the title of the whole novella, right? The Rogue yes. Prince. Right. Uh, and hopefully maybe this will lead to a discussion on 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 that and George's choice there. Yeah. A rogue they say they can't hold you down. You'll do it on your own, even make a crown. Flea bottom dragonstone drift, Mark Rhaenyra, Prince Damon to a throne coming near ya. Um uh, so quote to introduce this section. The greatest of Otto Hightower's rivals was Damon Targaryen, the king's ambitious, impetuous, moody younger brother as charming as he was hot-tempered. Just yeah. a quick one. Yeah, for that. so Prince Damon is a bit of an enigma to me, and frankly, mm-hmm. the, the rogue prince is too, as a story. The story fits much better as written in Fire and Blood as just a, a history of, you know, the Targaryens and right, putting yeah. all those events down as a general history. With uh-huh. this story being in rogues, it seems like he's he's trying to, like, tie everything that's happening back to Damon, and frankly it doesn't really he's a he's a he's a figure that's important but he's not central to all of it by any means Uh i mean he's like a wagon you know he's spoked through the spokes he's tied to all of it to some degree but he's not driving all of the action or anything so it's almost to me like um has george delivered wins yet no uh so he's busy and the idea for this anthology came along and he's you know editing it and they're like well it'll sell a lot better if you got a story in there and he's like oh what's the subject again rogues oh, what can i do but uh, uh okay i've got this thing he's roguish let's throw it in there and i'll add we a can little make bit it work a, yeah yeah we'll, we'll sneak it in and that's that's honestly what i think happened and maybe that's out there already i haven't read anything like that but maybe it's already kind of theorized and out there probably already is um but anyway, you know, Prince Damon's still an interesting dude. Uh, it doesn't make him any less of a character for the the weird weirdness of it having shoved into this anthology. Yeah. Um, he makes, though, a lot of weird choices, uh, most of which seem wrapped up to me and not knowing his place in the world, being uncertain of like how, where and how he belongs and fits in. Finding his talents and using them to his greatest ability and maybe stumbling on some of those talents, right? Yeah, so, some, and, 
you know, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just, well, yeah, yeah. How 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 he how he fits in. So let's let's just talk about his personality. So he's dashing, he's daring, he never shrinks away from a fight. Um, you know, not opposed to going out uh, for uh, for a night on the town for drinking and uh, visiting prostitutes. Um, his relationships to me seem more about gaining power and influence than actually having the relationships. In They're some, about yeah, at least in some cases. Uh, there, there are some exceptions. Um, so what's in it for me type thing. Right, exactly. How am I going to benefit? Um, he's got some cruelty in him. They don't cover mm-hmm. this a lot, but like they don't give you a lot of specific details. And we talked about this a little bit with, like, it'd be nice to have POVs to learn more about these things. Never more true than with Damon to me. Um, because you don't know what's going on in his head for a lot of these actions that he's doing. He has cruelty nearing Megor levels sometimes cutting off fingers you know of people that have committed crimes all sorts of ugly ugly stuff that he's doing um but i think he also badly wants to be targaryen wants to create a son to follow in his footsteps wants to be a king over a piece of land wants to use his blade like the famed targaryens in battle right he wants Mm -hmm. he wants to be this epic level targaryen but he doesn't really, there's no wars going on, you know, he's not, he keeps getting pushed down in the line of succession, so there's not really a great place for him. He finds a place in the gold cloaks for a while, and he did, that's a good thing he did, right? He properly outfitted them, he gave them a sense of identity, gave them a sense of pride, um, but he also kind yeah. of, in doing so, also turned them into like his little his own little goon squad, it Cronies, sounds like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, good and bad mixed in there. He for sure had a desire to be heir. Um, it says there's that line in there that uh, when when uh, Emma dies in childbirth, um, uh-huh. to uh, I can't remember the name now. There was an Aegon or something uh, birthing a son. A Balon. Was it a Balon? All right. Yeah. Birthing a son. And he says something about, you know, the heir for a day. Heir for a day. And that, that actually ends up getting th- getting him thrown out of King's Landing. But he wanted so badly to be an heir that, like, he went out and built his own empire to be a king of. Right? <laughs> like, he, went, like he wanted just, it so I'll he's like, do it by well, myself. fuck, I guess I'll go build my own if nobody's going to give it to me. Uh, and then And then later he wanted it so bad that he married into it. Via Rhaenyra, right? So he's also got this relationship with Viserys, his brother. Brothers love each other. I watch my kids, Mary and Pippin, no matter how much they're fighting, it's just so clear that they love each other. They're best friends. Those bonds are tough to break, right? Even for somebody as dastardly in, in, at times as Damon and um, you know someone as foolish as Viserys, the, those bonds are there. Right, and no matter how much they frustrate each other, it's it's hard to imagine that bond not sticking. Mm-hmm. So, so he's a complicated guy. Uh, you know, that's kind of just a rundown of the types of things he does. Um, but I don't know if you, you want to weigh in, but they're they're kind of like we we get a lot we get a lot here in different perspectives when you get into the Damon stuff, Mushroom's perspective and Septon's perspective and the Maester's perspective. Uh, and depending on what you believe, you can believe that he is a true rogue, like like an absolute villain, 
or you can look at him pretty with with some pity that he's just a guy trying to fit in right and i can give you i've got bullet points here for both cases and i can just read them if you want mm-hmm. me to and then you can weigh in Go ahead. um it's quite a few but so here's here's the case for damon as a villain okay cheating on his wife over and over and over again his wife in the veil who we haven't even mentioned yet over and over and over again in king's landing falling for his paramour mysaria gambling generally uncouth behavior gets him sent away from king's landing he ends up seducing his niece rhaenyra claiming her maidenhood maybe or perhaps worse like teaching her sex acts for his own pleasure like trying to sully her reputation which is just awful um you know she's a minor at the time for sure uh so don't forget that part uh and and maybe i don't say worse than that because that's pretty awful but using her as access to the throne if he's thinking all of this out ahead of time right because he creates a relationship with her early right she's his favorite uncle and they have a great relationship and he's kind of like what's the term they use now like um uh grooming her almost oh yeah he's definitely grooming and um so he tries so after his wife dies in the veil he goes back to runestone to try to like get that right like sees that it's like hey it's mine i married her it's like you haven't even been here dude they throw him out right he remarries right after she died again presumably for power though you know maybe he loved Lana. i don't know um seems seems like they developed a nice thing in the Mm -hmm. short time they were together but um he also kills Lana's betrothed right she's been betrothed for like a decade and he kills her betrothed not illegally but not gallantly either right um he basically threatens the guy to his face and insults him so bad that he has to call him to to fight and then he kills him then he kills him yeah he wooed rhaenyra his niece on his wife's deathbed that's leanna this time uh had Leon leonor killed to free up to free up rhaenyra as well because she had married leonor at the time had breakbones killed to remove him from rhaenyra's life is one of the theories that he actually uh set all the fires and stuff in motion that happened there at, at heron hall um and then married again like, like we said to rhaenyra right after Lana's death like her body was barely cold so this is if you believe that version of these stories he's awful he's one of the worst targaryens around right mm-hmm. but let me paint it this way he's removed from court at king's landing with because of a marriage that that his brother wouldn't set aside despite a formal petition petition that he took no joy in it was set up for him he didn't want it and he tried to get it set aside and his brother wouldn't do it and so yeah he acted out because he wasn't happy which is something a lot of people do um he's sent away from his mistress whom he takes comfort in he can't get a son for the longest time which he wants badly to have an heir um he's so alone he feels so alone and out of place that he tries to make his own kingdom in the Stepstones, just to have some place to like feel included and welcome and and like he belongs. His brother never really accepted him in his behavior and made use of him basically to go fight these battles and do these things, but didn't really give him a place to feel accepted. Removed him from the council, you know those things. Um, his wife dies and he isn't really welcome there to mourn or you know welcome there at all. He has to go to Driftmark, where the Valerians are, instead. Um, and of course he falls in love with a beautiful woman there that actually embraces him and tries to give him a place. Um, 
But knowing his story, he knows that that's not going to be looked upon by his brother. Of course not. He's not going to accept this. So they leave and get ex exiled for that too. So he feels even more isolated by the fact that he falls in love, gets married, and, you know, has to leave for it. Then that wife dies, giving him a son who also dies, that son that he really wanted, right? And mm -hmm. the so coming into this, the best relationship he's ever had with this niece who he's always identified and built this strong friendship with, who adored him as a youth and is now available and loving and old enough to have a relationship. So of course he soaks in that love and falls for her and wants to be with her. And that's the story of Damon that's not at all a rogue. Now, what's the truth? I don't know. Somewhere in between, probably, right? Probably. You can't paint a character in one color. And so, Right. Um, so, so this is an example where having that POV would be a huge breath of fresh air. Who is this guy? What, you know, like, what is he thinking? And, 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 you know, even having that POV maybe would only validate the claim that he's a little bit of both things. Might. Because yep. th those are the most interesting characters or the people like me that sometimes I make the best decisions in the world and I pat myself on the back after and go, boy, that sure worked out well, didn't it, Matt? Good job. And then sometimes I just do really stupid things. Yeah. And, uh, of course, these guys being in the position of power they're in, uh, those those choices are sometimes amplified to a, to a great degree. But... But having that, like, some of these things are pretty unforgivable, if he did. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, the, the, the grooming Rhaenyra thing and, like, taking her to the little islands and having sex acts and, like, that's unforgivable garbage stuff. He'd be a top five villain in this fandom immediately if those things were, like, confirmed in his POV. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So... And the string of, to me, the string of deaths. I just, this book has brought out the conspiracy theorist in the yeah, Iron Blood yeah, has. Everything sure. I suspect another motive for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you've got Rhea Royce, his first wife. She falls from her horse and cracks her skull. Yes. Uh, that seems suspect to me. Then well, He wasn't Leonor, there for that, but he could have set it up, right? He could have definitely set yeah. it up. Yeah. You've got Leonor being killed by his lover, yeah. Carl Corey, yep. while he's married to Rhaenyra, which helps Damon uh, with his grooming and getting closer to her. Yep. You mentioned Harwin Strong dying in the Harrenhal fire. Uh, you even have some more ancillary characters dying. Gurm points out that Grand Maester Melos collapsed climbing the steps. Mm -hmm. uh, it could just be an old thing, but again, the conspiracy theorist to me comes out um, the, he makes mention of him being such a moderating voice in council and mm. encouraging compromise between the blacks and the greens and stuff like that. And maybe Damon wanted him out of the way so that he could cause some contention on his way to the top. But, you know, if but, he was doing that, you know who he could have removed and didn't? Hightower. Otto. Hightower. His, Otto. His biggest, yeah. his biggest rival, really. And they don't really do a great job in the story kind of illuminating that rivalry, but his his They biggest, just said they were. Yeah. His biggest rival. His biggest rival <laughs> maybe was was Hightower, and he didn't do anything there. And that would have solved a lot of problems for him. Yeah. I don't know if he couldn't or what. Or if that yeah, would seem maybe. too maybe it's too obvious. Maybe. Because everyone knew they hated each other, so if Otto died, they'd he'd be blamed. I, maybe but, but you're right. too obvious he, he doesn't strike biggest, me as something that would deter Damon. <laughs> but, but yeah maybe just does it but, yeah 
it's interesting to look at uh, some of his qualities, though. And he was he was a great leader of men. Yeah, people followed um, him. He made friends. Yeah. You talked about the gold cloaks, and that's kind of what I was referring to when I say he kind of stumbled upon his talents. Yeah. You know, he tried at uh, I don't know how hard he tried, but he was given the opportunity on the small council. He was master of laws, right? Yes. And then master of coin. Was that the other one? Uh, I don't remember. Probably. Or, I think so. Uh, he served in both of those roles for a year or less. Um, and then he's put in charge of the gold cloaks just as kind of almost to give him something to do. And he ends up finding kind of this this talent maybe of leading men. And, and you know, a lot of the stuff he did was undesirable and he did a lot of bad things, which you illuminated very well. Um, set up kind of this organized crime ring going down amongst the gold cloaks but his he did a lot of good by him and people seemed to follow him he said he had no problem forming an army in the stepstones um when he carved out his kingdom yeah. there and maybe you wonder if some of that was motivated by greed and people following him because he had a dragon and stuff but well think about uh, how long it's been since there's been a war yeah like there's a lot of people out there that are like it's mercenary work is great i you know i need mm -hmm. to make my fortune like give me something yeah yeah he seemed to be talented in that regard and uh be interesting to see uh, directing those talents in a different way uh how things could have ended up but then i come back to you know if the series would have used damon better maybe he could have had an ally and, and directed Damon in a, on a better path. But then Absolutely. it brings up the point that you bring up of it was a time of peace and Damon's greatest strength seemed to be leading men in a warlike capacity and being a commander and stuff. And there just wasn't an opportunity for a lot of that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's all. Yeah, it's all true. Uh, I, I feel like he, I feel like he is for sure a man that didn't feel embraced and welcome anywhere. Mm -hmm. And he was a rogue. Yeah. That didn't help, but amplify the behaviors he was already prone to is where uh -huh. I land on this whole thing. Uh huh. So is he to blame for who he is? Yep. Did the circumstances around the kingdom and how he fit in and how people embraced or didn't, uh, affect his behavior yeah it did for sure so he's you know not he's to blame he also had help yeah he needs to be accountable for his actions yeah but also though we get we get an interesting we're not we won't cover it here because it's beyond our scope of pages but we also get a you know a little bit of a different look at, at damon um you know a little bit later in his life mm. so yeah quite uh, the guy yep that's all i got on him you got anything else i think so too um, maybe i'll just bookend it by echoing kind of what you said of uh, giving my opinion on the the rogue prince as a novella um i considering what it's purports to be about this rogue prince i i'm underwhelmed by it as a standalone novella it works well in Fire and Blood telling the history, but just as a novella by itself, I think if I would have read it, I, I've only read it, well, no, I read it a long time ago, and I didn't remember anything about it, and maybe that's 
says a lot. Uh, but reading it within Fire and Blood, I, of course, enjoyed it in the context of the Targaryen history. But as a standalone novella, I think it's it's maybe one of – I apparently haven't been very nice to George in this episode. Uh, <laughs> maybe one of George's weakest efforts that I've read so far. Well, I think it's just – It's not the weakest. It's not meant to stand alone. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so, like, just to very quickly talk about the, the Rothfuss piece – it very clearly stands alone. It's just this little tale about Bast and what he does walking around and, and that's what he great. does one day. Yeah. And it's great. That is mm-hmm. not what this is. It's meant to fit within the context of a history. And right. so, yeah, like as a standalone thing, I can't blame you for take, for coming away with that impression. I mm-hmm. first read all this stuff as I was reading Fire and Blood. So to me it fit, right? But but then when right. I just read it in Rogues, I was like, well, how's he trying to tie this all together with one character? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, and that's why I consider it a weak effort as a standalone yeah. novella, yep. which it was originally presented as. Yes. And so in the context of us covering The Rogue Prince, that's that's where my opinion falls. I I arrived at the same conclusion without knowing any backstory or knowing Gurm's thoughts, but I arrived at the same conclusion as you did, that perhaps it was George just being like, well, I got to get something in there. Yeah. So I got this story about... Viserys and his brother Damon and stuff, and yeah, Damon was kind of a rogue, so let's, uh, yeah, let's do this. Right. Reek, 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 fit, 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 yeah. fit, and there we go. Perfect. And I don't know, there are others, I'm sure, Aziz and, and people like that that would know the schedule of how he wrote and when he wrote all this stuff, but my guess is mm-hmm. he had most of the manuscript of Fire and Blood done at the time oh, for of, sure. of Rogues yeah. and just cut it out and put it in. Mm-hmm. And so it was written for this Fire and Blood, and just kind of yeah, maybe fleshed out a little bit for the story. But yeah, yeah you got to think that that framework is totally yeah. there. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, should we talk a little bit about the Greens and the Blacks? No, let's just skip it. I feel like we've done our work for today. <laughs> let's kind of actually skip to the end. Uh, greens and blacks and then Rhaenyra's love life and family those are the next two sections and they kind of bleed into each other a Mm -hmm. little bit Mm -hmm. Um, folks I was telling Scad we were discussing this before we hit the official record button that this one was hard to divvy out sections and things to discuss just because there's so much covered and there's so much jumping around and okay now let's spend let's spend four pages talking about Corliss Valerian right yeah now back to the main story. Uh, but same, anyways. Same with same with Sons of the Dragon. And I imagine it will be the same with, yep. with Princess of the Queen too. Yep. <sighs> I miss POV chapter, yeah, I Scott. I'm, I can't wait for wins. I'm, I'm seriously considering another <laughs> reread so of the main bad. series, though. <laughs> I miss it so much. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So, quote from the book, Greens and the Blacks. In 111 AC, a great tourney was held at King's Landing on the fifth anniversary of the king's marriage to Queen Alicent. At the opening feast, the queen wore a green gown, whilst the princess dressed dramatically in Targaryen red and black. Note was taken, and thereafter it became the custom to refer to greens and blacks when talking of the queen's party and the party of the princess. Yeah. So greens are Alicent, blacks are Rhaenyra. Yeah. 
And Rhaenyra's 14, and updating the, the number I gave earlier, she was 9 yes. then at the wedding. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, that early in Rhaenyra's life, we're already talking about conflicts simmering, simmering, simmering. Isn't that crazy? Surface. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. So, so I, I mean, perhaps she heard... Perhaps Rhaenyra heard all the snide comments at court, or maybe she just implicitly understood what the births of Aegon and Aemond meant. Um, but she's 14 here, and you know, it's almost like somebody took her aside and said, Hey, Rhaenyra, do you know what's going on here? You're being supplanted. You see what's happening? You're being supplanted. <laughs> That's So wear green and smirk a lot, because mm-hmm. this is a thing now that you're dealing with. And you're going to have to stand up to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Because you know who won't. Sir, please a lot. Daddy. Yeah. You want this, you got to keep it. But... Yeah. Uh, so the reason I wanted to maybe combine this a little bit with Rhaenyra's love life and family, that whole section, is because what really bothers me is how this hatred and this rivalry is perpetuated by the children right um of Rhaenyra and Alicent yeah so maybe just to switch topics for just a little just a second uh cover Rhaenyra and her boys you like you like those those sons of Rhaenyra and I, I do too I do I do right yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to cover with Rhaenyra's love life and family. If you want to just talk about the kids, though, um, she has three, and I, I've been interested in the Song of Madness. I've seen some because Rhaenyra's in it. I've seen some feedback from people talking about that they believe that they actually believe they are Leonor's kids. Huh. Uh, I don't. I believe they're they're Strongs. Yeah. Uh, the seed is strong, strong. Uh, Breakbones was a big dumb meathead with a big dumb dong is my guess uh and she liked it and uh, i love how freaking poetic the maester all of a sudden gets he's like very dry in his history in fire and blood and then all of a sudden he's like he's he slew her maiden head with his blade yes, yes. His, his blade was dripping with her maiden's blood or something just kind of disgusting like that. I was like, okay, bud, okay. George just now, couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah you just right. couldn't help yourself, all could right. you? All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, is my favorite, uh, but I kind of love all the kids, uh, these three. We don't get to learn much about them here, um, but I, you know, I think they're way better than their uncles. Uh, <laughs> and then we get her kids with Damon, uh, Aegon, Poor child who was named Aegon directly to piss off Alicent, who also had exactly they become uh, pawns to, in this whole rivalry. To point yeah. out your your uh, your point about the kids, kind of continuing this, uh, but he's Aegon is just kind of traipsed about during the dance from one torture to another, mm-hmm. and then there's the second child, presumed dead Viserys. Uh, he's kind of the best of them all, really. Um, I mean, as it turns out. Being lost at sea is the best way to survive being raised Targaryen. Uh, <laughs> you're you're not indoctrinated with any of the fucking bullshit that all these kids had to suffer through with the Dance of Dragons and 
their parents whispering in their ear about how evil their uncles and cousins are. Uh, you know, Viserys just grows up in Lys after barely surviving, you know, the attack at sea. And uh, he turns out to be the best one, maybe. Yeah, maybe so... shades of Fagon there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't talk, we don't talk about his rule here or whatever, but uh, yeah, so those are her kids. And uh, I don't know if you want to go into like all the other stuff. I think we talk about the, the actual dance later, right? The prequel stuff, but go ahead. Yeah, so we have this incident of uh, of Amond and the dragon. Yeah. Right. Sure. So everyone's at uh, Leanna's funeral. Yeah. And one thing that Lena Lena was cool, man. Yeah. She she was a pretty cool chick. And one thing that I thought was pretty cool about her is that she her dragon was Vagar. Like yeah. OG Targaryen dragon Vagar. Yep. Uh and she she rode Vagar and that was her dragon. And so when she died, Vagar's without a rider. And little Leomond at the time was 10 years old days later right or yep something, they're still right? on <laughs> dragonstone they're still all at dragonstone mourning lana and he is the only one of viserys and alicent's kids who to this point had not had not been able to claim a dragon right yeah not ride but, but claim at least yeah mm-hmm. yeah the other ones had dragons that were young and still growing but they had dragons so amon decides I'm going to go after Vagar, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, he never lacked for boldness, it says in the text, right? You got to love him for it, I suppose. You don't. Anyways, long story short, uh, Jahari, or um, Rainey's youngest kid, Joffrey, sees him. Joffrey's only three years old at the R- time. Rainier's youngest, yeah. Sorry, Rainier's <laughs> kid, Joffrey, notices him, calls his brothers. And they get into this big little brawl of kids of Amond versus the three strong boys, uh, Jace, Luke, and Joffrey. Yeah. And uh, their ages are like six, five, and three, I think is what it is. Correct, yep. Which I'm trying to decide if Germ really has an understanding of kids there. I just, even with... The yeah. six-year-old and the five-year-old ganging up on the ten-year-old. Yeah. I still kind of think the ten-year-old could take them both. Yeah, I have almost the exact same note. So first, so first of all, who the fuck is watching this three-year-old who's up at five a.m. going down to, to a pit of fucking dragons? Right. Somebody yeah. get yeah. that three-year-old on a around. fucking leash because that's crazy. Now mm-hmm. I am a helicopter parent for sure, but that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> This but, whole experience, I'm just like, what is with this? Yeah, but a fierce ten year old, as we are know, we are told, Aemond is. He's he's mm-hmm. fiercer than he's fierce. Uh, he would beat the shit out of a six five and three year old, and it wouldn't be close. Totally agree. Um, the uh, I've got a good comparison right now because my oldest is almost ten, yeah, and my youngest is six, uh-huh. and. Uh, my youngest, he's a he's a scrappy little he's dude. The, he's the hockey playing one. Yeah. Yes, he's he's a scrappy little kid, and he could hold his own for a while. But I think if if uh, Luke, code name for my oldest, 
were to really, really want it, he could trash him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and your oldest is not, um, well, I don't know him really well, but from the stories you've told me, he's not he's not the fierce Aemond. He's not Aemond. He's not bull. <laughs> he's, my, yeah, my youngest he's, is more like Aemond. You know, he likes Legos, and you know, mm-hmm. he's you know he's he's not uh, he's not the swordsman type. Is, yep. is the the impression I'm getting. Whereas your six year old, maybe more so. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, even then, I think if he needed to, he could still take him. Yeah. And so that just makes the point even more that Amon could trash these little kids. And yeah. uh, sometimes I wonder, George, really? Six-year-old and a five-year-old? Yeah. Um, anyways, what ends up happening, you guys know the story, is Luke, the middle child, uh, during this fight, brandishes a dagger and ends up taking out um, Amon's eye. Prompting the later nickname Amond One Eye. Yeah, very original. Yep. Um, and go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, just this this whole tale. I, I well, I'll let you finish. Go ahead and finish. Well, it's what bothers me. I tell this whole tale to talk about what bothers me. That in the end, <clears throat> so Viserys calls this big, yeah. this big uh, come together thing. It's reminiscent a little bit of. King Robert on the road back to King's Landing with the whole incident with the wolf and Arya and Joffrey and is basically like a, okay, okay, let's figure this thing out. Everyone say sorry. And these moms, like I have seen some scrappy moms in my day where the mama bears come out, but frickin' Rhaenyra and Alicent, holy crap, Scad. Yeah. So Alicent's response is, Take out Lucerys' eye. Yes. Take out a five-year-old boy's eye because of this. Yeah. I understand she's mad. Mm-hmm. I understand her kid is without an eye. But this is a five-year-old child. Yes. Rhaenyra's response is almost just as good. Let's torture your child. Mm-hmm. What does she put him to the question or whatever Something, it is? yeah interrogate interrogate them sharply i think is the language which in germ speak means torture your kid to find out where he's getting this story of her kids being strong or being bastard children yeah and that to me is just where a a great demonstration of how far these women have gone in their hatred of each other where they are encouraging the harm to children of all of this. And yeah. that's where it's like, too far, ladies. Come now, on. Rainier at that point is 23. Allison's some, somewhere in her late 30s. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- this is this has grown over the last decade, for sure, um, into into this conflict. And I think I think one of the things that Citra really does is it uses this one event to act as a capstone to all of the tensions that have been building. This mm-hmm. thing is the event you can remember to lock in the details for how this all went down. Right? This is representative of all of the simmering tensions kind of boiling over, right? Yep. yep. And and you're right. It's it's visited on the children here, not not the parents that have the conflict. Um but yeah. I, it's a, it's excellently done by George. I think it's one of the strongest parts about this writing is the way this event is handled 
how it sticks in your brain and how it can mm -hmm. be representative of, of all the stuff you really need to remember here. Yeah, what's happened in the past leading up to this moment as well as what's going to happen. Right. <sighs> right. So. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how far we went. So we we skipped around a little bit. We went from Greens and Blacks, went to Rhaenyra's Kids, and then we went into actually the Dance of Dragons section there for the showdown at Driftmark. Where do you, where do you want to tie back to here? Completely my fault. <laughs> That's okay. I think it Just was a natural talking. progression, uh, but there's some stuff we probably should go back and hit. Okay, so greens and blacks. We've got these greens and the blacks. We haven't talked about them very much, and that's going to come much more to the forefront in our next episode, yes. Princess and the Queen, yep. right? So uh, we kind of meant – I kind of meant for this to just be kind of an introduction to the conflict um, to kind of get us ready. And, yes. It, it uh, is something that will – that conflict shows this is something that will never heal. It's been – these kids have been indoctrinated with it, with, with this hatred and this whole – message right and they'll carry it with them forever right yes they will many to their graves uh and a note down for primary allies on both sides i don't know how much we want to get into this but early on you've got of course Kristen cole who is very much a, we haven't brought him up yet in this episode no he who got absolutely trashed in a song of madness Yes, I will talk about him quite a bit in this Rainier's Love section here coming up. Great. So we've got him. Um, you still have over on the other side of the family tree, you've got Rainies and Corlys Valerion. And that's always an interesting subject for me of what side they're going to take. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're, they're clearly on the blacks um, because... The Rhaenyra's kids yeah, marriage. are yeah. right. Rhaenyra's kids are Leonor's. Come back to that again. Also on the Rhaenyra's love section, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then and then also on that side is Daemon, who respects and loves his niece, but cares not at all for Alicent. And then also on the Blacks is those that remember the oath they swore to protect Rhaenyra's claim, which was, um, you know, everybody. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and things were going a lot better. It was, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was fifteen years ago. It was a, almost a different Westeros. Yeah, what we're seeing now. Right. The Greens have, like you said, well, Cole switches sides, so they got Cole. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Uh, Otto and all the High Towers, which is probably at this point a large number of kind of allies that have been brought into King's Landing to support the government, is my guess. And most of the court that believes in the male line of succession. So yeah, the Great Council. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, hey, we decided this. Yeah, like twenty years ago. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move into Rhaenyra's love life, uh, love life and family. Sure. Quick quote on that one. Long before any man had reason to doubt her innocence, the question of selecting a suitable consort for Rhaenyra had been of concern to King Viserys and his council. Great lords and dashing knights fluttered around her like moths around a flame, vying for her favor. Right? Right. So we might have to step back in history a little bit <laughs> to cover all these. Yeah, uh, a little bit. So 
this, this is a bit of a minefield. So <laughs> uh, I hope I don't step on one. But Rainier is a bit of a sexual being, uh, and that's okay. Um, but she's got a realm to think about as well. Um, and, and a lot of this depends on which version of the story you believe. Again, we have different accounts here to take, and some of them paint her in better lights than others. I mean, at worst, um, you know, at, at worst from a storytelling perspective, she's mm-hmm. a victim of sexual abuse as a child by a trusted relative. Absolutely. And, and how does that paint everything mm-hmm. she becomes, the poor, you know, the poor girl? Yeah. Um, at worst for her, she lusted after Kristen Cole and maybe her uncle the whole time and wasn't that encouraged. But but there's room for grayness, I think, on you know on that spectrum, right between there. Um, either way, as I think with her father Viserys, she did have a bit of an inability to put aside her lusts uh, in, in her story, right? The, the, and that, that had an impact on on where she landed. Now again, mm-hmm. if she's a victim of abuse, which signs point to that's probable you know that has a tremendous and i don't mean good impact on how you develop and what you think positive relationships are and what you think you're supposed to get out of relationships and how it's acceptable to be treated so like a lot of her story really flows from those events as a youth and so it's it's hard to judge her for where she landed does does any is any of that making sense Absolutely. Yep. Thoughts I had as well. So regardless, though, like we can deal with the facts and take all of what I said as preamble to like, don't know how she got here. But the facts are, you know, she either, you know, loved Kristen Cole or he loved her and she spurred, spurned him or he spurned her. We don't know. She ends up with this break bones dude, completely out of wedlock, completely unknown to her father. She has a realm to think about. She's known since she was four or something that she's going to be queen. And she's running around doing this, right? Now again, victim of abuse, all that stuff. I'm not saying, you know, it is what it is. But still, she went out and did these things, right? And it's not good for the realm. Kristen was a heartthrob, pale green eyes, coal black hair, easy charm. Pale not green like eyes. Me. Yeah, bad. I'm not sure, but... I'm not sure I've fallen with someone with those, but it sounds like something I'd do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't even think that was you. That's true. Uh, I do have green eyes. Yes. Uh, but I am otherwise completely otherwise completely And completely unlike Kristen <laughs> Cole in any way. Yeah. Cole black hair. You've got a bit of charm to you, but it's more talented. like... <laughs> You're talented. It's just different. Uh what my mom says too (laughs) (laughs) that's what all our moms say right uh damon himself uh you know she falls for him too um again there's that whole potential grooming component of this which is awful which may or again may not have happened we don't know we don't know the whole story right but but Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's all on the up and up for sure but anyway he's very charming disarming charismatic he's older he tells her stories about far off places and frankly she's got really fond memories of him from when she was very young right Mm -hmm. and so it's not that surprising that she falls for him 
that said, you know, Breakbones, Kristen, Damon, you know, Damon's a rogue. Kristen is supposed to be a chaste, honor-bound Kingsguard, and Breakbones is a meathead with a big dong, right? Her taste in men sucks. There's not a scholar amongst them, Matt. There's not a good dude there, right? You um, love who you love, man. You do, but um, you're you're still again you all those grooming things aside. You know, you got a responsibility. If your taste sucks, your taste still sucks, right? Yeah. Um, well, and one could argue that the whole Harwin thing was was thinking about the realm, right? She gets a baby. She gets she gets Jace with him. No. No, I don't. And then think it's so. like, hey, hey, I'm getting, I'm getting boys, I'm getting heirs here. I don't think you can argue that. Keep because, this good thing going. Because she does it before she's married. Had she yeah. done it in response to Leonor not being a quote unquote God, I hate like the I'm coming off so judgmental here, but like quote unquote good husband of you know a partner creating heirs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, of good stock. If she, if she had done that after she realized, like, this isn't going to happen and I need heirs or there's going to be a shitstorm, then okay. But the way this timeline works, that's not why she did it. It was like she did it she was spurned by Kristen. Yes. And... and maybe lustful and maybe horny, which are all fine things, right? But you do have a realm to think about, right? Yeah. Um. So, okay, so... But it was around the same time, right? Right before. Yeah. Right before she was to be married. Enough, so the story goes... to be able to fudge it and yes. say that it was Leonor's. Correct, yes. Right, yeah. Right, right, right before. Like, the night before she's supposed to leave, or something, mm-hmm. supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonor himself, that brings us to Leonor. So, preferred the company of men is, is kind of the way it's written, right? I mean, he's yeah. gay. He's, he's always gay. got a young squire around that he enjoys the company of, weeps for them on their deathbeds, Spends all his time with them, wants to name his kids after them. He's, you know, he's all in. He's, he's a all romantic. in on the gay train, and good for him. Yeah, he knows what he likes, and he doesn't quibble about it. Um, yeah, you know, the marriage that's proposed. Uh, I don't remember which member of the small council it is, but has the quote uh, when the, when they say he's not going to be a good match. He says, "I do not like the taste of fish, but when fish fish is served, I eat it." Mm-hmm. And. I had to watch Chasing Amy last night. And uh, there's a quote in there when they're, the whole scene... It's totally what I thought of. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, but I don't know if it's a specific quote, so please continue. Carry well, on. he's talking about how he doesn't go down. Uh-huh. And and he's, <laughs> he says, no, the smell is good. You know, she's talking about, if you say the smell, so help me, I will punch you. And he says, no, the smell is good. The smell is great. And... Uh, that's what I think of when I think about this. If fish is served, <laughs> I eat it. Mm-hmm. Jason Lee not eating out his girlfriends. Nope. Not not the not same at quote. No. Yeah. Huh? Actually, yes. It's exactly the same. Oh, that's the same quote you were thinking of? <laughs> no, no, oh. it wasn't. I, I didn't think of any specific quotes. I just thought oh. of the situation oh. of chasing Amy. So Oh, the situation of chasing Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um P.S. In Captain Marvel, there's a great, fantastic Kevin Smith moment there. I will just leave it at that. He shows up in the film? Not that he's in it. Oh. But there's a Kevin Smith moment. Oh. Is what I will say. Oh, because it happens in the 90s. You'll catch it. Does she go to Quick Stop? 
Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> the whole final battle happens at Quick Stop. <laughs> oh my god. I'm and then so the film ends with Randall going, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, Credits. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, but you'll find it. You'll you'll smile. It'll make you smile. I tell you what, though, we haven't had a Kevin Smith discussion on this podcast in a while. If you haven't seen Chasing Amy, go watch it. Uh, oh, such a good movie. It's it's my favorite of his, and there's some good stuff in there. That that so going that uh, that going down conversation is just hilarious. Uh, there's also some heartbreaking stuff in there, but uh, yeah, go watch it. So good. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, back to reality. Back here comes gravity. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know much to say about her life with Leonor. There wasn't really one. They stayed apart no. most of the time. Um, it modern... seemed like they had an understanding. Yes, maybe right. Exactly. And you maybe... do your thing. You do your thing. We're married, like our parents want us to be. And at that point, does good. does creating heirs maybe trumpet? And so it's okay, you know, that she's doing this with strong. I don't know. I, I still would think, and I know this sucks for, you know, this will really suck for Leonor, but I would still think you would try to make heirs for yourselves to combat this, but I get why they right. wouldn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know someone in my personal life that's that was gay and in a marriage for a long time, and, you know, they they scheduled. They scheduled to have, uh, you know intercourse regularly just to like keep the uh the physical nature of uh, yearning for that sort of thing at bay so that they wouldn't be cheating on each other and stuff but it sounded awful and i wouldn't wish it on anyone and yeah it's uh, hard so it's hard, hard for me to even say that leonor should have tried to give her heirs but we're talking about a kingdom here with lots of things on the line mm-hmm. so i had to bring it up um yeah, I've known people like that as well, and it's yeah, it's it's such a hard way to live, and yeah, and yeah, I'm so yeah, opposed to finding that personal happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment that I wouldn't wish it on anyone as well. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, let's not go into all the sure all of it, but yes, it's for sure, for sure, something that happens. Mm-hmm. Um. We already talked about the kids, the strong kids, and and the uh, and the Targaryen kids. Um, marriage to Damon, if if I'm honest, it's kind of the only thing that makes sense. Now, again, throwing the grooming thing to the side, like if that happened, then terrible. Um, but it, like, don't get me wrong, what Damon did to her maybe is bad, but politically, this is not that far off from what Targaryens want to be doing. Marry your uncle. Keep the blood pure. Like, let's get some get some heirs out of that, right? And maybe, you know, I took Viserys to task earlier in the cast about not doing this exact thing with Lyanna. So, you know, maybe it would have been better had that happened earlier. I don't know. Uh, but it it it's not like that matter. That's not like that match doesn't make some sense mm-hmm. to me. They were friendly when she was growing up. They know each other. They have a lot in common. As far as Targaryen relationships go... Yeah, it's normal-ish. Yeah. Why the heck not? Right. Everyone was saying that the best match for King Viserys was Lana, yes. who was his niece. Yes. So This is the same thing. This is the exact same thing. Yeah. Damon is Rhaenyra's uncle. 
Except when you bring in all that other crap that went down. The grossness. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So that's all I got on Rhaenyra. You got anything else to add on Rhaenyra? I think that might be all there really is. Um, and uh, going into the next section, I call it the Dance of the Dragons, a prequel. Um, we've already mostly covered everything. Yeah, most of it. Uh, they talk about the Red Spring, which was in the year 120 AC. They call it the Red Spring because of deaths that occurred. Uh, the quote in the book was, Lady Leanna's death was the first tragedy of 120 AC. We've already talked about that. But it would not be the last, for this was to be a year when many of the long-simmering tensions and jealousies that had plagued the Seven Kingdoms finally came to a boil, a year when many and more would have reason to wail and grieve and rend their garments. Um, to me, it just kind of feels like a natural continuation of all the crap that's already been happening. Uh, but this is the year that you get Lana's death, that you get Leonor's death, that you get the death of the Strongs, right? Yeah. And yeah. so one more. What am I forgetting? Uh... Lena, Leonor, Strong. That might be it. Um, this is the year that Aegon the Younger was born, which uh -huh. should have been a happy moment, but instead just served to muddies things. That's Dame the anger, right? Damon and Rhaenyra's Aegon. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. They they usually you reserve the elder and the younger for father son combos. Yeah. But in Germ work, he does it for. Yeah. What are they to each other? Kind of, they're cousins. They're cousins. Cousins ish. Uncle, uncle. Our, our uh, uh, great uncle. No, they would be like an uncle. Yeah, because it's well, it depends on. <laughs> yeah, it depends on which one you're, you're looking, looking for. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going with Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra is Aegon's half brother, half sister. So that that would make Aegon. Uh, oh yeah, uncle. The other Aegon's uncle. Yes. Yep. Uncle. But if you go with the Daemon line, it's. It's different because Daemon is Aegon the Second's uncle. Yeah. And then it's Daemon's kid. So, oh boy. Brothers. Yeah. But anyways. They're half brothers. Or no. No, not no. half brothers. No, they'd be cousins. Yeah, they'd Just be cousins. kind of like a weird yeah. cousin thing. Yes. Good God. Oh, Freaking Targaryens. Damn you, George. Freaking George. First of all, putting a Rannies and a Rhaenyra that close to each other in First the family of all, line. How dare you? How dare you? Dude, look at look at Scad bringing the memes out today. You are. Yep, that's an office one, right? It is. Yeah, I love that yep. one. Um, then you've got the Aegon so close together. It's yeah. just, you're just doing this to be a jerk, George. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Rhaenys, Rhaenys, Rhaenyra. Aegon, Aegon, Aemon, Aemond, Aemon again. You get another Viserys in there. Gaemon. It's bad. Yep. Uh, anyway, Anyways. Yeah. Things are happening. Things, things, things are, are happening. Uh, about the Strong's death, I want to talk about that real quick. Um, they talk about who did it, and maybe it was even Viserys himself trying to remove the whole, uh, the whole fact that Harwin could come out and confess any day that he's the father. So, like, maybe he did it. They talk about the fact that maybe it was Damon that did it to remove Harwin from um, from Rhaenyra's thoughts. Um, 
but it was a dagger to the greens, also a dagger to the blacks, and then an even bigger dagger to the blacks because that killed the the hand of the king and brought Otto back. Otto back, who's obviously going to be green. Right, so that hurt the blacks again. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Just, so it, many little things. Yeah, yeah right. Um, we already talked about the Driftmark stuff. Um, the death of Lena and Leonor, um, you know, they both died in that year. Marriage frees up Rhaenyra and Daemon to get married, right? They're both now free, which creates because a power couple. they were couple. married to they brother married and to, sister. Or to yep. each of them. So power couple up, right? It also brings... Officially, although it was probably going to happen anyway, Caraxes uh, to the Blacks. Um, you know, he's kind of the best dragon, maybe other than Malus, to counteract Vagar. Uh-huh. So more power. Yeah, to that blacks. turns into uh, we talk about the people yeah, on the, the Greens and the Blacks, being... but the dragons end up being a huge, uh, yeah, power indicator. Yeah, I mean the the that showed that showdown at Drift Park, Driftmark, the part we didn't really talk about. We mentioned Vagar being ridden by Amond, but that's huge. He claims this the most powerful dragon in the land at ten years old, and you know it talks. He talks about how he considers it a wash. He lost an eye and gained a dragon. Well, the Greens have to consider it a huge victory, not just a wash, because they get Vagar, and yep. um, you know, spoilers ahead, he wins the war for them, <laughs> basically, right? I mean. He's, or, or wins it as much as they win it. Um, because basically any dragon the blacks can send against him, if it's just one-on-one, yeah. he's going to beat. Right. And it has huge implications for the strategy that they all play, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll cover that later, but uh, in the next episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Ace of Spades, Vagar. Gamblins for fools. Don't forget the Joker. <laughs> Man, talk about weird, <sighs> weird voices in music. That guy. You love it. Uh, it's certainly different. Uh, I'm not a huge Motorhead fan, but Ace of Spades is a classic. Ace of Spades? You're not a big Motorhead fan? Nah, I like a few songs, but I like, you know, I like I've got the greatest hits or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um,. I, I I wish I liked metal more. I, I like a subset of bands in the metal genre, and I listen to them a lot. But I'm not like expansively metal. You want to be like a metalhead? I wish that I were, but yeah, no, yeah. no, I'm not. I understand. You like yeah. what you like. Yeah. So. Uh. Okay. Uh, should we move on to odds and ends? You got any more here? No, not really. I mean, uh, I think I think the summary here is like what you said. One twenty brought all the fruit to bear, all the rotten fruit to bear, and you started seeing that, like, oh yeah, this shit's inevitable, right? And mm-hmm. I think the centerpiece of that is the showdown at Driftmark, which really shows like this is not going away, ever. Yep. These kids that are three, five, six, eleven, and ten, or ten and nine, or whatever it is. Uh, they're going to remember this forever and it's not going mm-hmm. away anytime ever. 
Yeah, and that's yeah, it's the inevitability of it all. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. That no matter who Viserys at this point, Viserys has just not done enough. <laughs> yeah, to to change this, and it's on a direction, and it's going there. Yeah, and yeah. This this chapter, what was it called? Heirs, the heirs of the heir, what was it called? In Fire and Blood. Oh, good lord! We you already said it. Said it, the, you said I it forgot it. Yeah, I did. Well, it should have just, just been called Blue Balls. Dragon, it should have just been called Blue Balls, because <laughs> it's all it's all teasing out for what's going to happen, right? Uh huh. Heirs should, of the Dragon. Yeah, we, we should change the name of our episode title to Blue, Blue Balls. balls. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> Odds and ends. Uh, so Corliss Valerian, I think that guy's cool, man. He is. He is very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't, we didn't talk about him much. I, I, I think he has. So I don't talk about the TV show much, but all these spinoffs, people are always talking about what they could be. I think an HBO spinoff for this dude would be awesome. Just like traveling, like the an world, Indiana right? Jones kind of thing, right? Like where yeah. he like explores islands and like goes to temples and like gets rich shit and. Yeti, Ashai, Nagai, Masovi, these places you never talk about because they're so far away. Yeah, and he's been and to all be, of them. And he's just been to all, and they just list them off like yeah. it's nothing. I yeah. pulled out my maps of ice and fire and had to yeah. look at just the length that it would take to travel to these places. And and he was a he was he was like a, you mentioned Indiana Jones. I love that because he was he, he talk about how he was down there mending sails and Calking holes and and everything like he was a sailor's sailor. Yeah, uh, and I I don't know. I just think the world of the guy. I think he's great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe and... he wasn't set up for rule. Like if if Rainey's his wife would have gotten the the crown, I don't know that he would be too suited for sitting beside her on a throne. He's not that type of guy. I don't know. He they uh, they talk a lot in the previous chapters of Fire and Blood about him on the small council. And he seems right. like a capable, reasoned dude. Yeah, I think capability definitely. Yeah, but I think the itch would be constantly there for him to get back out on the sea and. Oh, maybe, and do but his he, thing, he doesn't, know? does he? Like the this whole war on the Stepstones is happening. He stays with Ray with Rainus on Driftmark. It's kind of it because they don't give us a timeline like. It says that he went to all yeah. of those places. Did he do all of that before? Before, before he was thirty nine, marriage yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and, and then after marriage, he settled down and didn't do much. Yeah, like he kind of retired. I think so. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know if they ever made that clear. I mean, retired. Uh, I don't know. Like he he let other people run his business. I think I he know. certainly you know had acquired enough wealth by that point that he yes. could. Um, but he was still working. I mean, they, they, they talk about the war on the Stepstones, and, like, he was perhaps the greatest beneficiary of winning that war, right? Like, Yeah, it's obvious ships, why he wanted to do yeah, it. Yeah, his ships were no longer being hassled and robbed mm-hmm. blind, right? Right. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a fan of uh, Corliss Valerion. I'm interested in the whole idea of the sea being the Valerion's element rather than the sky. Yeah. Meaning that traditionally the Valerians were not a dragon riding family, uh, despite their Valerian heritage. Yeah. And uh, that's something I'd like to learn a little more about. 
Or maybe um, they were and they adapted, right? Well, no more dragons. But right. we still have this wanderlust, this desire to conquer and explore and see things. And so the sea is it. Let's do it. So we're adapting. Right. Yep. And I just thought that was, I think it's very interesting. But yeah. yeah, I'd love to learn more about the guy. And why not Why not more heirs, too? I know I yelled at Jaharis and Alessand for not having, or for having too many, but Rainus and, and Corliss with just the two. Two kids. He was always on the road, man. I don't think so. I mean, but I think they settled down. Maybe, Ugh. I mean, plus she could have gone with him. It's not like Rainus had to cower at the castle. She was all about that stuff. It talks What's about the how quote, they were that she would get there before him because she'd be in the sky. Or something. Yeah, they they were a perfect match for each other because they both loved yeah. being out adventuring, and maybe that's part of it that they they got there too, and they're like, traveling. "We got our job. Yeah. We're traveling now. We're living for ourselves." Right. Yeah. I don't know. Would love to read more about Rainus and Corliss. Mm-hmm. Seems like a, a just like a good match. Yeah. Despite like the it. despite the weird thirty nine and sixteen thing, right? Yeah, which their age is ridiculous, but it's ridiculous to us. Yes, but in Westeros, yeah. it's not that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I put a note down for Princess Sarah and her kingdom in Volantis. I don't know that I'm that interested in that. Is there any interest there for you? I don't. I don't have much. It wasn't first, but there. But I. I had. I did come up with a little game that we could play, but it it would be embarrassing probably. <laughs> but it, it was meant to illustrate. It was meant to illustrate the point I was kind of making about Jaharis and Alisand and their kids, and like mm-hmm. the text says, you know, they had a glut of heirs, too many, right? And the reality is not not really, not right. really did they have too many. They they got to the point where they didn't have enough. Vagon was the only one, and he was not equipped. Right, and so I've basically got a little game here of like that those at home could play too. I give you the dead child of Jaharis and Alisand, and you tell me how they died. <laughs> I did study up on this uh, a little oh, bit right. before, but I don't know if I how much I remember. Yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, I I, I wrote this list you know a week ago, and I'm even struggling to remember them without reading right. the, the answers, but. I mean, it, okay. But so we don't have to play the game. I could just go through and read them real quick. But well, let's 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 give the let's give our our Kalisar okay. a chance to to guess a little bit. Okay, I tried to randomize the order a little bit so they're not like in all you know just in order of age or, okay. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Visera. Oh, Visera. So she was she the Manderly one? Uh, I think so. She was betrothed to a Manderly or something? And ended up instead... Yeah. I'm going to say it was an accident. It was an accident. She hit her head on a wall when she was thrown from a horse during her King's Landing joyride with some boys of ill repute. <laughs> yeah, she was She was a, She was was an adventurous one. She was a yes. precocious little gal, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about Daenerys? Oh, heavens. You want a hint? I don't remember. She died pretty young. She was young. She was a young one, right? Not not super. She was like 11 or 12. 
I'm ah. cold. Oh dear. She died of the shivers. Yeah. Okay. One of those things that that pokes a hole to me in the Targaryens don't get sick thing. Mm-hmm. Um. She's got uh, pneumonia, maybe, or something. Well, it's the shivers. The shivers was a disease that went around and killed, I don't even remember what it was, a fifth of the population or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she died of it. Uh, Aegon. That was a kid. That was the kid. That's the first one. That's an infant death, right? It is an infant death. Yep, their yep. firstborn son, Aegon, born too early. Uh, she, uh, Allison blamed this on the Jonquil pool massacre. Remember that? Where they like attacked, attacked her while she was pregnant. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and he, he died. Okay. Uh, Diella. Diella. Yes. Uh, she was Emma's mom. Correct. Um, and died delivering Emma, if I'm not mistaken. She died of childbed fever at 18. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually know whether it was delivering Emma or someone else, but yes, in, she died of childbed fever at 18. Uh, you already gave the answer to this one earlier in the cast. Balon? He gone. I'm going to say appendicitis. I don't yeah. know. Appendicitis, burst belly is what they call it. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa, who was Balon's wife. Yes. I don't remember how she died. One of the underrated ones to me, Alyssa. She died in childbirth. So trying to make more heirs. Mm-hmm. After Viserys and Daemon. Correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, I don't remember what they named that child. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I think it's probably an Amon. Uh, <laughs> Just take a guess. <laughs> Valerion. This one's kind of vague. Doesn't really give a good reason. I don't remember Valerian. It just says he died before reaching his name day. So like he made it like 10, month, 10 baby. months or so. Yeah. He's an infant, yeah. but not okay. like days after. There's uh, Gail or Gael, depending on how you want to mm. pronounce it. She was the, she was the simple minded one. They said a bit simple minded. And she, yeah. Yeah. They say that like, I remember cause it's like not known. Yeah. Um, s- some say that she like she just like disappeared that's the story and they gave that she some say it was summer fever or that she drowned herself in the black water yeah so she had a stillbirth uh because she was uh she was wooed basically by a traveling singer yeah uh, had a stillbirth and then walked herself into blackwater bay and drowned herself and drowned herself yeah yeah uh amon we already talked about this one quite a bit Mm-hmm. Killed in battle. Bolt in the neck. Uh yeah. Gaemon. He's another kid one. Yes. Born uh died within three months. Uh Majel or Mayel. Mayel. The Septa. The Septa, right. And yet another Um Grayscale. Yeah, yet another piece of right. evidence about the sickness thing. Grayscale, she died at thirty four years old. So, uh, so you made it through. Good job. Uh, only two alive at Jaehaerys' death, Sarah and Vagon. Sarah, yeah. Um, three. So the summary, if you're keeping score at home, three <laughs> basically died from birth. They died being born, basically, or or within their first year. Three from birthing their own children slash grief. 
of trying to birth their own children. Two from disease, one from dumb inconsequential war, one from a burst belly, and one from rampant partying. <laughs> so, uh, so Sounds when I right. when I say when I put the blame at their feet, right, for like some of these heirs not making it, it's not really very fair. They couldn't have done anything about the ones that died from birth. Maybe those are commentary from George about the inbreeding stuff. Maybe not. Uh, three from birthing their own children grief. Can't really do a whole lot about that other than maybe, you know, maybe the maybe the Gail who drowned herself in Blackwater Bay. Maybe, I, I mean, I, I don't think so because they talk about her relationship with Alison being very strong. That Alison... Yeah, that was like Alison's favorite. Right. They were. They spent a lot of time together. They were very close. So, you know, maybe not. Maybe there were just some, some other things going on there that couldn't be helped. Two from disease. Can't really be helped. One from dumb and consequential war. Maybe. Probably not. That was the one that they actually put the most time in. One from a burst belly. Nothing you can do about that. And one from rampant partying. So, so maybe Sarah they could have done better with. Maybe Vagon the one that ended up being an archmaster. But maybe not. Uh... And one from Rampant Parting, that's Viscera, who basically was just a, a handful and wouldn't be cowed by their by her parents at all. Classic middle so, child. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion I've come to is that I'm wrong, and they did a great job, and they just got really unlucky. And so maybe the message is, have more heirs, always have more heirs. And Benjamin, why yeah. the fuck did you join the Night's Watch? Keep those kids coming, and keep those kids of those kids coming. Yes, yeah, that's the real message. Thirteen kids means nothing if you don't, if you've only got two out of all those thirteen. And a, yeah, Amon had being... Amon had plenty of time to make more heirs, and like, yeah, as yeah. far as I can tell, chose not to. Chose or, or couldn't, but yeah. Okay. I don't know. So that's that. Um, else? Do you think mushroom? Do you think mushroom was right? I kind of feel like maybe mushroom just. What if like everything mushroom said was true? Could be. There's a lot of people that, that want to believe that. I, one thing to keep in mind is that Mushroom didn't, he couldn't write. So the testimony of Mushroom is not really the testimony of Mushroom. It's the testimony of it's, somebody transcribing um, what they said Mushroom told them. So it could And they be, failed to put their name to it. it right. Says. So like it could be complete lies. Mushroom could have been telling of the the nobility of the Targaryens the whole time. And this guy was writing down, <laughs> this will be hilarious. Right, it's gonna be so funny. Probably yeah. not, but it's possible. Now, assuming the scribe was honest, there's something to be said for Mushroom's account. I mean, he's no motive to lie, really. It's not like he's gonna get you know residuals from these massive book sales. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't really want to believe Damon was as evil as Mushroom paints him to be, but uh, maybe he was, and he doesn't have any motive to lie, really. Yeah, I think in the end, just the whole. Uh, contrast between Eustace and Mushroom that George is constantly painting through all of this. It's just, it almost just reminded me of like a modern day internet, <laughs> right? Believe you want to believe it's out there. You just go and maybe Eustace is Wikipedia and Mushroom is TMZ or something. I don't know, but people go out and they find what they want to believe on the internet. And it's just there. <laughs> There's so much there and. It's kind of just a com commentary on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yep. The only other thing I had 
is not so much a commentary as anything to do with this story in particular. I think we may have discussed it in an early episode, but it's been almost five years, believe it or not, and I just can't remember that far. I'm, I was struck in this story, Scat, about how little advancement in technology we see in Westeros. Have we talked about this before? <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think we've really talked about it much. It just seems like years, hundreds and hundreds of years pass, sometimes thousands of years pass, but the circumstances, the world that they're living in seems essentially unchanged like in terms of technology and developing new things and new yeah. inventions and, and yeah. stuff like that, you know, like yeah. with us, with electricity and all everything. And none of that happens over thousands of years. Like seems like the circumstances they were living in at the time of the long night, certainly not the long night part itself, but just the time period is the same as 300 AC where we have the story of a song of ice and fire, you know? Well, uh, interesting so I th i'm not a historian but it seems like um technological advancements come in groups like there's an in age, waves like yeah. a, the bronze age where it's like a thousand years where they develop these types of things right and there's nothing for a while right and there's mm -hmm. a thousand years where you get these types of things so uh maybe maybe they're in a you know this zero to 300 fire and blood to, to song of ice and fire they're kind of in that dry spell you can also get things like um like the middle ages um you know where you, yeah. you get where you kind of go backward and, and the destroy dark some yep. things especially when there are mm -hmm. magical events like um you know the the long night and uh you know the um what, what they talk about with uh well, certainly the the Great Empire, of the Dawn stuff with you know moon meteors and all you know all that stuff that LML is, uh, has has thrown around. You can get some retrograde going on with technology, things that are forgotten. Um, but yeah, we did we have talked about the fact that like the others eight. I remember I brought up in one of our first episodes about like the others haven't been seen for eight thousand years. Should there be technology in 8,000 years? Probably. I mean, you know, we went from zero to 2,000. We have, like you said, electronics and TV and all these things in exactly. 2,000 years. Yeah. But we had none of it. None of it is strong. I'm sure there were incremental advancements. But we had none of, you know, once you got to the 1800s is where a lot of this stuff started taking off. Where it picked up. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. Since we're totally talking about, agree. like, these areas of mm -hmm. advancement. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm talking a little bit in circles, but... Am I surprised there's not more? Yes, I'm a little surprised there's not more. Uh, yeah. Seems like, you know, we, we did have an advancement from, uh, you know, iron weapons to steel. That's the only one I could think of was yeah. the Bronze Age to iron to steel. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. Beyond that, we don't get a lot. They've got the wheel. Mm. They've got wildfire. I don't know got when wildfire wheel. got invented. That's a big deal. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, you know, you've also got yeah, the magic, things that are so, and yeah, I wonder if the reliance on magic stunts, st yeah, stunts the scientific growth for sure. Ingenuity. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is part of the theory about the Macers too, and not wanting, not wanting magic back in the realm that they want the world to be like a science based world that they can kind of control and speculate on and right. stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm not sure about that theory. But anyway, yeah, Anyways. It's, it's, it's interesting. To, I mean, we could have a whole episode to talk about stuff like that if we wanted to go research it. That'd be fun. But yeah, uh, out of the blue, Maybe I can't we will. really speak with any education on it. Mm, nor can I. It's just something I that came to me as I was reading this. Yeah. Yeah. When you have built-in Death Stars, you don't need to advance technology for weaponry. Totally. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like the advancements that are made are war-based, right? Yeah. Some. Or domination-based. I mean, we don't, we don't know how much advancement they made in, like, agriculture. We don't know. You, Germ hasn't written extensively on the subject? What? Brooke would tell you you don't want that. I and I don't. <laughs> Look, if he uh, writes about that, he's not writing wins anytime soon. Geez, George, you've built this incredible world for us that we get to kind of exist in, and you haven't told us enough about scientific advancements that you've built into this world you've created. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, we done? Uh, yeah, I think we've covered it sufficiently. Um, next will be princess and the queen i'm excited about that one uh you ready for sign off i suppose i am okay yep the the quote stuck with me so i'm doing it you already brought it up you jumped it for me but uh this is matt signing off echoing grand maester melos i do not like the taste of fish but when fish is served i eat it and i'll just say that when fish is served the only difference i have is that i don't eat it because i don't like fish Okay, I'm changing mine. I don't know if that's a metaphor, but I'm signing off with I love the taste of fish. Good night, everybody. Think on that, everyone. <laughs> Good night. <sighs> Song of Madness has been crazy. <laughs> Every year, bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. Right? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, I feel like the engagement from most of the fandom is the same, but the engagement from other creators is much higher. Somehow. Yeah, people are really getting into it, and I don't know why or what that means, but yeah, it means that it's a good thing. Yeah, sure. A good little thing that we've created. I'm very proud of it. It's pretty weird. Right. Like, like I try to explain it to people, and like, you just can't. Uh huh. Like, you just can't. A few of the guys on my fantasy football uh, group that I, that I play with, we, you know, we've been in the same fantasy football league for I don't know, fifteen years or something, and uh, they follow the they follow our Twitter, and they're like, "This thing is blowing up my timeline. What is it?" I'm like. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. It's awesome. It, the timeline's completely unmanageable. I can't follow it very well, uh, but it's uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's hard to explain to people that don't that don't know. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to my wife about the nimble dick thing. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, babe, people are losing their minds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the I was one like I trying to show her some of the tweets. I was like, "Look at this! Look at this!" Yeah, 
but out of context, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's that's really cool. Good, I'm, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, get off your phone. That's what mine uh-huh. says. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, in general, she's very supportive of it, but she sure. has noticed that I'm on the phone more. Um, right, yep. But... Uh, the, Sorry, the I've cl- just got to do this. I <laughs> yeah, just have to do yeah, this exactly. double overtime yeah, whole thing in exactly. just a second. <laughs> the, but the the thing that I that I, the quote that I use for people now is I don't even remember which which follower it was now, but they said, "Thank you, Davos fingers. I've never cared so much for something so meaningless in my life or something." <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and I'm like that's that's as good a summary as I think we'll find. Is that like uh-huh. people get crazy about this? And it really is meaningless, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but like no criteria. A lot of people are voting completely on whim. I mean, missed votes, cat, cat, miscast votes. People voting for characters they think they're, you know, they'd know. go shopping at IKEA with. Yes. I think that was Joe <laughs> Buckley's <hilarious>. today. <laughs> How long, really, until he f- decides to fuck my lamp? I lost it. I lost it when I read that. Okay. Just I'm going to step away for just a sec because I forgot a document that I made for myself and I'm going to need it. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I drew out my own uh, family tree because uh, the one in the back of Fire and Blood is just hard to look at. Oh, really? I love so, the one in the back of Fire and Blood. It's beautiful, yeah. but I have a hard time like uh, – I made one that's a little bit easier to read at a glance Yeah, yeah, yeah. for me. Okay. So – I'm going to go grab it real quick. I left it in my work bag. Okay. Just a sec. Left it in the work bag. <laughs> what if that's like a duffel bag? <clears throat> what? Huh? Huh? I was just uh, about my bags. I was stuff. I was. I was speculating as to what kind of a bag it it was. It's like a satchel. A satchel. Mm. It's like a work satchel. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm like I'm pretty good now with who was kids to who and everything. The thing I like about having these family trees is noticing the relationships between kids of kids and stuff like that. Like. Yeah. Rhaenyra and. Lena and Lenore. Rhaenyra is the cousins Cousins, to Lena and Lenore. You know, like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so and so's nephew. And and yeah, that's where I still like need to look at this and go, okay, now how are they related again? Right. Anyways. Ah. Oh boy. I'll I'll try to get you the topics later this week. We may want to consider a two-parter on that, depending on. I don't know. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll think about that as I'm prepping it. Yeah, think about it. Okay. Yeah, I will. I don't know. Might be fun. But I mean, to that uh, to that end, we could we could maybe extend it beyond just the princess and the queen if we wanted to take it further into like just do the impacts whole impacts of the dance beyond yeah. or something. I'll think yeah. about it. You should okay. probably cut all of this from the episode. <laughs> Might put it at the end. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Blood Riders, thanks for joining us tonight. We had a good one. A uh, couple music credits to give out. So. We had Ace of Spades by Motorhead. That's from their 1980 album, Motorhead, R.I.P. Lemmy. Then we had Seed by Sublime from their self-titled album, Sublime. 
my favorite Sublime song. It's two minutes of just disgusting beauty. Uh, R.I.P. Bradley Noel. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Stay savage. Thank you.